Michael here, and I'm back to break down the Lego Masters Celebrity Holiday Bricktacular on my podcast, Talk Bricks Masters. Today, I was lucky enough to get to sit down with season two's Dave and season four's Emily to break down four hours of holiday fun. And speaking of holiday fun, there's still more Lego Masters fun coming your way on the podcast. If you missed it, I just posted my exit interviews with the final three teams of finalists from season four. And coming up next in your podcast feed after this is going to be my postseason deep dives with all your favorite teams. So be sure you stay subscribed and stay tuned because we've got a lot coming your way. And now with all that out of the way, here's our breakdown of the Holiday Bricktacular. Well, the holidays are almost here. And of course, nothing's more bricktacular, if you will, than a fun Lego Masters special. And of course, to break down all the hilarity, the celebrity and all of the fun Lego builds, I needed to put together a panel that was ready to break down four loaded hours of content. So back, you know, you know and love him from season two. It's Dave. Say hello to everyone, Dave. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me again, Michael. It's so lovely to be here with you. Oh, my God. It's lovely to be here with you, Dave. Uh, you know, you you were with us last year. I feel like I feel like it's a, it's, a, it's a holiday tradition. It's one more holiday tradition that we have every year. Um, so, so happy to have you back. And Making her podcast episode recap debut, you loved her from this most recent season. It's Emily. Say hello to everyone. Oh my gosh, Michael. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so nervous, actually. <laughs> but I'm happy to be here. I'm excited and nervous. And excited. I feel like that's very in character, you know, for what we saw on the show. So, uh, but don't be nervous. We're here just to have a lot of fun, especially for the Holiday Bricktacular, you know, your performance today will only influence how much money I donate to a charity of your choice. Um, so, so, so don't worry. Um, no pressure. And, yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, this is now, you know, last year was the first time we'd ever seen something like this. So, you know, we sort of knew the format going into it. It's bringing together four former contestants and all of these, you know, four amazing celebrities that we have to build all these fun holiday builds for charity. So now that we've seen it, two times, Emily, just high level thoughts. What did you think about this year's four hours of fun? Oh my gosh, I was so excited. And I can tell you if I would have been there and Rob would have come out and been my celebrity, I probably just would have started to cry. Um, I, I thought <laughs> the celebrities were really amazing this season. Honestly, I thought those are like some big time people that I'm obsessed with. I knew every single one of them right off the bat, which I felt like was exciting in itself. Absolutely. Yeah. I think to your point, like there's a certain echelon of celebrity that's willing to do one of these reality shows. And I think that this was a really fun bunch. Like they all to your point were recognizable and added a lot of value. So we're definitely going to break down all the of the contestants. But Dave, just to kick things off, what did you think? It's so great to be able to visit back with our fan favorites, you know, to see these people who we followed for a whole season and spent so much time with and to check back in on them. And it's, I think it's just so much fun because it's a much more relaxed environment. The contestants are having more fun. The celebrities are having fun. The Brickmasters and Will are having so much fun. It just, it makes you want to be there. It makes you want to be part of what's going on. And if the holidays are about being together with people who you care about, then I think that this really fulfills the goal. Yeah, absolutely. And what a, like a sweet sentiment. I almost didn't even think about it that way. But to your point, it does feel like, you know, without the threat of elimination, remember, nobody goes home, you know, it does sort of like make it more like a, like the, the free skate, you know, at the roller rink versus some sort of competitive, you know, uh, version of it. So it's, it's a lot more fun that way. But let's jump into some of those favorite returning builders. 
and uh, of course, our celebrity guests. And so, you know, our first team that we have is Randall from season two, your season, Dave, and Kelly Osborne, um, who again, you know, is a, you know, the famed daughter of Ozzy Osborne, a TV personality in her own right. Um, but she said, I have minor experience building with my brother uh, building Lego sets. I'm here to learn and pretty much do what I'm told, which I really loved. But Emily, what, what was your takeaway from this duo? Oh, my gosh. Kelly is just like amazing. Obviously, I just love Kelly's in general. And so <laughs> she just like came out. She looked amazing. Her makeup was perfect. And then Randall, like he you could not get a nicer human being. I adore Randall. So to see him here. And he was so tight-lipped about this. I don't think anyone knew that he was going to be there. So I'm like, good for you, Randall. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, Randall's obviously a huge uh, friend of the pod that we love here. So it was great to see him back. Um, but then we move on to another crazy team, which is Dave from season three, not the Dave from season two that we have here, um, but and Marshawn Lynch, Super Bowl legend, you know, and hilarious, hilarious uh, Marshawn Lynch, Lynch pops out of a drum. And, you know, they ask, do you have any building experience? And he says, I think I do. I went to Ikea and put some stuff together. Uh, but Dave, you know, you and I have gone to Ikea together. But do you think that gives Marshawn an edge in this competition? Uh, you know, anybody who is as fierce as a competitor as Marshawn is, I think, is going to bring something to this competition. And even though it's all for fun and games, he wants to win that money for his charity. And that's something that's really important to him. And I know it's important to Dave, too. So this is a team to watch out for. Oh, yes, definitely, definitely was. And, you know, having Dave is also another holiday tradition of having someone who also works as a Lego designer, uh, former Lego master who comes back. In season one, we had Boone. And now here in, in uh, season two, you could argue, of the Holiday Spectacular, we have Dave, who's another friend of the pod. And the most hilarious part is that last year's podcast was the Dave we have here and Randall and Dave, who would go on to be on this season. Oh, uh, so, so Emily, that means you're next, uh, you know, because you've been on my podcast, you're going to be on the next Holiday Spectacular. <laughs> but why that don't would we move be so fun, but I don't know if I could have fun there because I am equally as competitive. So I would want to win. And I don't yeah. know if I have enough lightheartedness about me. <laughs> <laughs> to do the holiday ones, but we'll see. Yes. Well, hopefully you get the call and, and you get that existential crisis to, to break down uh, as you decide. But um, the next team we had was Crystal and Rob Riggle, um, you know, and it was so great. You know, he has this kind of like hilarious moment where he's like Lego Masters. Oh, I love that show. And Will's like, you're you're on that show. It's right now. Um, but uh, but, you know, uh, <laughs> Emily, what would you what was your thought? Obviously, it sounds like you're a huge Rob Riggle fan. Was it great to see him here? Oh my gosh, I love him so much. Like when he just like jackknifes out of his little box. I think he's hilarious. I love him. Like I pro I literally shocking would start to cry. I would have been like so starstruck by him. <laughs> yes. I mean, he was definitely one of the you know most recognizable to me in terms of things I have consumed. Um, but you know, the next team we have is Caleb, also another friend of the podcast. And um, and I should say we had Crystal from season one, which is great. It's great to see Crystal back. You know, I love that they're they are not forgetting about the earliest seasons here as now we're like four years past, you know, the season one uh, cast. So it's great to see Crystal back. Caleb then is with Nene Leakes um, and Nene Leakes says, um, you know, to Caleb, I wonder if you could build me a Lego wig because, uh, you know, she loves wigs. But Dave, did, what was your thoughts about Caleb and Nene Leakes? Um, this seems like a super fun pairing because it seems like such opposites. 
and so I was very excited to see how they would approach challenges. And also I was excited because Caleb is the only Lego master whose wedding I've been invited to and attended. So it's always good to be able to revisit time with him. Ah. Uh. Yes. Well, we, we love uh, his wife as well on this podcast. Both are friends of the pod, I should say. Um, but yeah, so this was a great lineup of celebrities. And, you know, right off the bat, I was like, you know, who knows how this is going to go? And so that's always a fun thing. But let's jump into this first challenge. You know, at the top of the episode, we see Will coming out in a holiday train, like the ones you drive around at, you know, in the mall. And we, he says, you'll be building holiday trains of your very own. Festive, motorized trains also need to be Santa strong because in the end, it's going to I'm going to line the tracks with 35 increasingly heavy candy canes and we'll see whose train can smash through them all. The strongest train that can burrow through the most candy canes will automatically ride to the top two. And so, you know, this is, again, one of those like aesthetics and strength challenges. Um, but, you know, Dave, what was your thoughts about this? Because you know, we have, you know, while the first challenge last time was about launching the trains, I mean, uh, the um, the sleighs, this one's a, a little bit of a twist on that because it's more about can you brute force through all these candy canes? It's a great way to bring in tradition. Like I, I'm sure a lot of people have experience with trains and setting up their train around their Christmas tree or there's a huge Lego train community. So it's really a nice way to talk about the holidays, even for people who don't necessarily celebrate Christmas. There's still familiarity with trains and seeing them. Um, and I like it because it's a great starting challenge because there's definitely a way to help your celebrity get introduced to Lego because you can assign them something because there's definitely parts to this build. You know, there's the engine and there's the cars behind it. So I really like the way that this is a, like a gentle easing into it, but also a great smash. And who doesn't love a good smash? <laughs> uh, his name is Corey, and he was on season one of Lego Masters. That's who doesn't like a smash. Uh, but <laughs> Amy says, and this challenge, we want your holiday trains to have a great theme. So think about fun, festive details and colors that will really bring the holiday cheer. Um, and so, you know, Emily, I'm curious. Let's say you were on the season. Maybe you were paired with Rob Riggle. Who knows? Oh, you know, my where, gosh. <laughs> where would your head be going? for the holiday theme, you know, train that you would make? So mine probably would have gone more in the style that Kelly and uh, Randall went. I'm a little bit darker. So I think the Krampus a little darker would have been kind of my style <laughs> or something like overly like presents, something like over screams Christmas. I could, it would have been either way. It would have been super dark or like too Christmassy that was like overkill. I know myself and it would have been one of those. <laughs> yes. Well, we almost saw versions of both of those uh, from our teams, but they had six hours to do it, which really is not a lot of time, you know, especially on Lego Masters. You know, the shortest challenge we saw on your season, Kelly, was eight hours. And this is two hours less than that. So I, I can't even imagine, you know, how, you know, it, it's, it's nice that this is small enough that maybe you could do it uh, in six hours. But this was, um, you know, a really fun one. But let's talk a little bit about just a couple things from the build phase that I have noted. The first of which was, you know, Marshawn Lynch, right from, from episode one, is a little bit of a troublemaker. You know, he sneaks over to Rob and Crystal's table and he takes their notes and he writes nope on the paper just to just to shock them and to sort of get in their heads. And, you know, he says, when, I, when they see that nope, I want them to think, nah, that's not going to work. And, you know, Dave, 
you know, you weren't necessarily known for your trash talking on season two, but like, should there be more mental warfare that we see in future seasons? Uh, I think it was definitely all fun and games with Marshawn. I mean, I I do think that you know, <laughs> Predator, you know, he he's there to have a good time. He's there to entertain. And I enjoyed seeing him make us entertained through this because, you know, <laughs> you might not bring all the Lego knowledge despite your Ikea background, but he's definitely going to bring something to the table that's going to leave everybody talking. Absolutely. Yeah. He even went over to Kelly and Randall later and says like, uh, oh, you got to put some meat on that uh, on their train. I mean, he's psyching everyone out the whole time. Um, but you know, we saw Kelly and Randall, you know, we, like you talked about, Emily, they took this kind of more darker side approach. And, you know, they, they, Randall says, you know, we're taking some chances here. You know, Amy likes color. And so, you know, they had some things working against them, but also they didn't have a lot of weight. And so it's tough because, you know, you only have so much time. You're, you're already trying to think about just getting something, you know, put on the judges podium. You know, how would you be thinking about things, you know, when you're trying to balance the aesthetics and the weight, like we saw a lot of the team struggle with. So I definitely would have gone in the realm that Dave did with adding the motors into each because motors are going to weigh more than any brick amount. So I love that he put a motor in every one. It wasn't a working motor. It was just yeah. in there for weight. And I, I probably would have thought of something like that or finding like just shoving my train full of whatever I could find that felt the heaviest to give it a little more mm to it. So, yes. I know it's one of those things where you, you have to remember, like a lot of the bricks are hollow, you know, like like a two by four or a two by eight. It's pretty hollow. So I wonder if it would have even been good to like build with a bunch of plate just to make it even like more dense that way, too. So there's you know, there's probably a few different ways you could have approached it. Um, and I mean, which plate is on plate is just going to plate on plates going to be stronger anyway, in general. It's going to be heavier yeah. and stronger. So, yeah, I, did, I, I know. <laughs> hey, that's what we're here to do. Um, but one of the thing I just wanted to call out was you know, from uh, Crystal, you know, it's been a while since we've seen her four years, she says. And, you know, during that time, she found out that she actually had a tumor in her skull and she was paralyzed on the left side of her face, you know, and Lego really served as that therapy. And like, look how far she's come. She said the doctors told her that she would never smile again. So to see her back and back better than ever, you know, I'm I'm actually thinking back to during my postseason deep dive podcast with Crystal after season one, that was starting and she was starting to explain, oh, there's something going on. We we're not sure what it is. And, and you know, I'm just so grateful that everything is OK. So I, I, I couldn't move on, you know, with the podcast without at least acknowledging that. Um, so, Crystal, if you're listening, we're just so excited for you um, that, you know, that everything turned out the way that it was supposed to and that you're doing great. So um, th those were some of the big things that stood out to me during this build phase. But let's jump into the judging because we got to talk about these trains. And Rob and Crystal were up first in the judging. So as they said, um, <laughs> Rob's story goes, Santa's most trusted elf, Sprinkle Duda, has, a, has the task of taking the Christmas Express from the North Pole all around the world, following around Santa's sleigh. We've got backup reindeer. We've got backup presents. We've got backup trees. And they built a snow piercer with knife hands, um, which is a big theme for this team throughout the episodes. Um, but Dave, why don't we start with you on this build? What did you think about Robin Crystal's Christmas Express Spectacular Spectacular? There's a lot of really great things going on in this train. Um, I think one thing is that we've always talked about in Lego Masters is the repeatable elements. So there's many things that Crystal created that Rob could then repeat. The Christmas trees, the reindeer, 
The two uh, train cars at the back are similar. Um, and there's some nice color blocking and the patterns just repeat over and over again. So it's nice to look at from afar, but then when you get in, you can focus on some of those details and it's not overbuilt in that it's, it's simple enough that it works from afar, but also when you get close, you can pick out those details. And the, the one thing I want to pick out especially is they made the wedge at the front out of wedge plates, which is a really cool. So they have a wedge wedge at the front. <laughs> <laughs> yes, those angled plates, you know, are, are referred to as wedges. Um, but yeah, that one, that front has like this nice um, gradient as it goes from like blue to dark azure to, you know, medium azure to white. So it's that nice, like frosty, um, you know, snow blown look that we see on the front car. It almost looks like a big shoe to me, which I kind of think is both funny and and nice. But uh, Emily, what did you think about their build? I like this build because it was bigger than all the other trains. I felt like in the beefiness of it. And again, the front again that we're talking about the way it goes from dark to light, but then still goes into the train. It really does look like they are blowing through ice and the ice is like coming up onto the train a little bit. And the elf is just living their best life up there. Like, <laughs> Woo, look at me, I'm amazing. And again, like what Dave said with the repeating reindeer and trees, I did learn from my experience on Lego Masters, build something good once and then build it again and again and again and again. And that's very helpful to you in the long term. Yes, absolutely. I mean, to, to everyone's point, lots of really great clean details. Like I love, to your point, Dave, like a lot of the color blocking and they really made it Christmassy with all of those, um, you know, the white foliage pieces as like little snow puffs of, of snow. They've got like uh, these teeth piece to be snow hanging down. You know, they really decorated this train so it felt very festive um, and a really great strong showing from Rob and Crystal here in the very first challenge. But why don't we then move on to our next team? This time it was Kelly and Randall. Theirs was the crazy Krampus Christmas train. Say that 10 times fast. Um, but their story was Krampus is bringing all the coal and the bad candy to give to all the naughty girls and boys. The front of the train represents the beginning of my dad's song, Crazy Train. It starts with a huge laugh and the music video is a close up of his mouth. And they tried to get Kelly to do it, but ultimately Randall gives us that huge laugh. But um, Emily, you know, you, you said this would be the direction you would go. So we'll start with you. What did you think about this crazy train? I love this train. I was surprised Kelly wouldn't do the laugh. Um, but basically, my Kelly didn't want to do anything embarrassing either. I always did the embarrassing <laughs> thing. So like um, that, that, that checks out. I love the bags on the back of the train. They're like open, which I thought was so clever use of that Lowell sphere that is still like open for the presents. And they're like chained in there. It's super cool. I really like it. I think it looks really cool. And the gold pieces. Yeah, I dig it. Good job. <laughs> yes. To your point, like those bags at the back, like those big like Santa sacks, you know, they're really nicely shaped. And and once you learn that Lowell sphere technique, you can sculpt a lot of different things. And so it's it's one of those good things. I think that anyone should learn how to build a sphere, you know, out of Lego in this way, because then you can sort of hack it to make it into other shapes. So they did a nice job there. And to your point, at the very front there, you know, the main uh, mouth on that engine is all in black, but then there's these pops of gold that really help it feel both more holiday-ish, but also just like add a nice bit of contrast in a, in a really fun way. But Dave, what did you think? So Michael, I don't know if you remember this, but last year when Randall was on, he said that he would want a partner who was very creative. And boy, did he get a partner who was very creative <laughs> and came with big ideas. So kudos to Kelly for coming up with these big ideas and kudos 
for Randall for being able to lean into it. You know, it's really nice, you know, when everyone else is zigging, you zag. And this is definitely a zag away from where everyone else is going. And that helps you stand out. There's so many great things I like about this train. Um, I like the way that the the first car is like a combination of an engine and a tender combined. Um, I love on the middle car, it has like the striping, but it's on a diagonal and it's in those muted colors. It still has the Christmas colors, but it's like the dark red and the dark green. And then I got a quick glimpse, like there's a bat on the side. I don't know if the bat has a head on it or not, but there's definitely a bat <laughs> on the side. Uh, so really leaning into what Kelly wanted to do, it was really great to see that. And I think it was really a huge success. Yeah. I mean, to your point, all those little details really do like add to the to just the story of it all. Like I love on the side of that second car uh, clipped in, there's actually red and green snake uh, snake pieces. So it adds that like streamery decor feel. But when you look closer, they're just snakes, which is like, you know, maybe more uh, in line with this theme, which is nice. And there's flames out the back. And of course, there's that brick built Krampus figure. And I guess I've never met a Krampus, so I don't know how it compares. You know, there's no mall Krampus for me to sit on their lap and tell them <laughs> what I want for 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 Christmas. But um, but this is a fun character to see. Um, and, you know, ultimately it was, you know, they did pretty well. Um, I guess we should have talked about that with the with um, Rob and Crystal. So for their train, they, you know, they go down the drop and for Rob and Crystal, they were able to break through 32 of the of the 35 candy canes. 33, and, Michael, 33. Sorry, 33. I have that noted wrong in my notes. Um, oh, no, I was on the I was still on a, a different one. But yeah, so Rob and Crystal had 33. I have that here. And, you know, it sort of like popped up over those thickest ones. We see the elf falls on its side. One of the cars stays up uh, up there, which was really fun. And for Kelly and Randall, when they sent theirs off, they were able to do the 32. And I really loved that, you know, kind of the dynamicism of the train jumping over the big ones. And it does like a front flip. And then we see those bags that we were remarking on just like rolling around, which I just loved. It was like it was just very dynamic. And I really I really liked the look of that. So another really strong showing here in this first challenge. And why don't we move on then to Nini and Caleb? You know, one's going for the, you know, the crazy train. This one now from Nini and Caleb is the angel train, you know, a hard pivot uh, from, you know, our second to third builds. And their story goes, this is an angel train carrying gifts and food to the homeless moms and the homeless children. This train was built strictly for the charity that I'm here, which is uh, hope for the future. It is homeless mothers and children, and I know the struggle. Um, so, yes, definitely an unbelievable cause here from Nini and Caleb. Dave, why don't we kick off with you then? What did you think about their angel train? It's a really interesting composition. Um, and it's very subtle what they're doing as a team. But when you look at it closely, you can kind of figure it out. Like you might think that the front is just presents together, but the arrangement of them is made to look like an engine. You still got that stack. You still got the the, the house at the back. It's all carefully constructed in that way that it, it seems like it's a almost like a character, like the presents have become a character, like they've become the train instead of just presence on the train. So it was really smart the way they did that. And I think one of the great things about that is you can hide lots of things inside for strength. You know, I, I feel like you could hide the battery box and other things in there that would help give that train strength. Um, so it really just felt like an explosion of color and that's mirrored by the angel exploding out of the top of the first car. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's great because like the present technique, you know, to your point about repeatable things, 
you know, once you once you kind of teach someone, we're going to make it crisscross. And that sort of like is the ribbon. And, you know, you could you could someone else could build one is, is my point. And so I think that that's one of those nice things. But they did, you know, to your point, create that unique look, almost like when you're a kid and you take all the cardboard boxes and you tape them together to make a fort or something. It has that sort of spirit, that childlike spirit, which I think is never a bad idea when it comes to these holiday challenges. But Emily, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I this one might be my favorite out of all of them, just based on the overall appearance. I think my favorite thing is that it's not just presents on top of a train. Like the, the presents are the train, right? Like, so you have this blue one with the yellow at the bottom and it's lower than the other part of the train. And then you have one that's like, maybe a jack in the box, something's popping out of it. Like, I just think all the gifts, even though they're similar, they're so uniquely different that it just, oh, it just is so pleasing to the eye and the colors. I really like this one. I think they nailed it. Yeah. And to your point, they like, like some of them are closed. Some of them are popping open and there's, you know, little builds of a car, of a, of a ship, of, um, you know, like a yo-yo or, or something. I'm that big red circle. I'm not even sure. Maybe and like then, a lollipop. <laughs> Oh yeah, maybe a lollipop. That's what it looks like. You're right. And then, but my favorite though is in the middle, there's these um, like circular gifts with orange bows. And to me, it sort of looks like barrels of oil on fire. Um, You know, like (laughs) I sort of feel like this is like- Merry Christmas. Yeah, exactly. This is like the runaway train, like in that movie, you know, like where you you, you gotta like save the town because the train's gonna explode or something. It had a little bit of that sort of just tucked in the middle in case you noticed it. No, but this is a really nice one. And it's great to see that large angel, you know, to have those big icons for your eye to to land on. That's always something we remark about on the competition. So really loved what we saw from Nini and Caleb. And then our final one was Marshawn and Dave. Theirs was the gingerbread express. Um, which is built to crush candy canes with ease. It is going to blow through them like there's nothing even there. Right in front of the time. Uh, and then um, and then it says right in the front of the train, we've got Marshawn leading the charge because there was a there was a brick built version of a Marshawn elf. Emily, let's start with you this time. What did you think of this one? Yeah, I think it's like perfect in the gingerbread. Like you instantly see it and it's a recognizable thing that it is a gingerbread train. I think that's where they really know that. I love the smoke coming out that's the white tree uh, leaves. I think that was super clever. And I'll notice a lot of the trains have this like little angle uh, front on it. Um, And I think that's like really smart to not have a flat surface. So yeah, I like it. I think it's really cute. I think they did a great job. No, I I think you make a really good point there just in terms of like, it's instantly recognizable. You know, when you see the brown, when you see the white as like the frosting, it's instantly recognizable. And there are some of those details that make it a little bit more festive, like the smoke coming out of the candy cane striped smokestack. And even to your point that that angled section at the front was also that candy cane striping. But Dave, what stood out to you from this build? It's a very clean build. Um, there's it, it, it's also very cohesive, like just the way that the colors flow. Um, and I really liked the diversity in the characters. It was great to see that represented as well as the diversity in the team. Um, and I thought that was very effective. I love the parts usage. There's so many great little parts being used. The only thing I wish was maybe there was a little bit more consistency with the candy. Like in some points there was patterns and at other points it wasn't so much patterns. So I wish maybe there, maybe a little editing on that would have helped that be just a little bit more cohesive. But who am I to say I'm not a Lego designer? (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, to your point, like on the first car, the engine we see at the very bottom, it's like kind of all these pastel colors and it's all the same colors in a a repeating pattern. 
Then the second two cars have that sort of dots layer at the bottom, but they're all sort of all over the place. So I'm guessing that might have been a time thing. Uh, that's what it looks like to me, but who knows? Um, but yeah, this one is really cute. You know, we have all these elves. So like, whereas like the angel was like the singular character or Krampus was the singular character. There's a Marshawn elf, there's a Dave elf, and then there's even two more elves, um, uh, one sticking its head out of the main house of the engine. And then we see Dave sort of being in the tender, shoveling candy into the train. So it adds more to the story. So yeah, I mean, this one was just a really cute design um, that really stood out. And when we, and I'm realizing now we didn't talk about Nini and Caleb and how they did on the drop. So let's go back again. I, I talk about them in twos. It was always by design. Uh, but Nini and Caleb, they go through and they are able to break through 33 candy canes and it pops up right at the end. So that, you know, it really was able to barrel through quite well. And for Marshawn and Dave, you know, they were, you know, promising us, you know, that it was going to really get through all, all 35 candy canes. And while they didn't quite get 35, they did get 34. And interestingly, it almost like popped up earlier than I thought it would. I really felt like it would stay sort of down and breaking through. And I love when the last car stays on, on the track. I think that's always entertaining when it doesn't all make it off. Um, but that was the most of all of the teams. And so as a result, like we know, they were able to automatically make it to the top two. So, you know, because there's only four teams, perhaps there is no top two and bottom two. There's only top twos in the holiday Bricktacular. But our top two was Marshawn and Dave. Um, you know, Jamie said you made it to the top because your strength allowed you to smash through more candy canes than any other team. But it didn't come at the expense of your aesthetics. And then he goes on to explain a lot about that. And then for Rob and Crystal, uh, you know, they were the other top two team. And Amy said, your holiday train just made us smile. It was packed full of festive cheer and had great colors and had lots of awesome details. And then those characters, they really just captured our hearts. So yes, it was a really strong top two. And ultimately, though, they felt like it was Marshawn and Dave that were the top team for this one. So it was great to see a win for Marshawn's Fam First Family Foundation of Oakland, California, where they empower inner city youth, $10,000 to them. And, uh, you know, Will was asking Marshawn here about, you know, like, how does this compare winning this challenge to winning the Super Bowl? And Dave goes, you know, this is my fifth time in the top two, but it's my first win, which is, which was so surprising uh, from season three. But um, <laughs> Will goes, uh, we were talking about Marshawn and the Super Bowl. <laughs> for some reason, Will had something out for Dave at the very top. He was even like, we have our favorite former contestants and Dave. But Emily, we'll kick off with you. You know, what do you think about seeing this win for Marshawn and Dave? You know, what, you know, what was your thoughts about what maybe set them apart? Yeah, I was very surprised that Dave never won a challenge. I mean, top two multiple times. I surprised me that in that moment I was like, what? But then I think Will and him just have really good banter. I saw in season three often. So I <laughs> love that they still carried on that banter. Um, I think this was a great win. I think it was deserved. I think any of the teams could have won this one. I don't think there was any team that stood out as not as strong as other ones for me personally. Yeah. Well, and also like we saw like the the spread in terms of how many candy canes was 32 to 34. You know, so like, you know, if if one train had gotten like five, I I would have been like, okay, they 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 deserve to be, you know, to not win. But to your point, it was so close and everyone really had a great job with their aesthetics. Um but Dave, any final thoughts about um Marshawn and Dave here as the winners of our first challenge? I think you just said it really well, Michael, like all of these trains looked really good. And I think the deciding factor is just one more candy cane broken through. Yeah, sometimes th that's what life comes down to, kids. You know, it's it's one candy cane uh, and, and that's the difference. But 
Why don't we move on to our second challenge? You know, we're moving on just as fast as the show did from challenge to challenge. But, uh, you know, Will asks the contestants, who wants to make a movie? In this Lego, in this challenge, our Lego Masters Celebrity Holiday Bricktacular is going Hollywood. You and your partner are going to come up with an original holiday movie and build the most memorable, soon-to-be iconic scene from that movie. When you're done building, we want you to act out your scene and uh, and picture um, and uh, act out your scene to me and the Brickmasters and audiences all over the world. So yes, this was a very fun challenge, certainly a little reminiscent of the movie challenge from season one, the movie genre challenge. But, you know, Dave, why don't we kick off with you? You know, if you if you got this challenge, how would you be approaching this? You know, what things do you think make an iconic holiday movie. This is probably one of the hardest challenges I've ever seen on Lego Masters because it requires so much creativity. You have to not only do the build, you have to make up a story that's compelling enough to convince the Brick Masters that it's worthwhile. Um, So if I'm thinking about how to approach this, it's the elevator pitch. You have to be able to have your build tell the entire story in one sentence. So whatever your build is, it needs to be very clear just from that, like I, I somebody, was it Jamie who said it needs to be like a single snapshot. So you have to be, have that whole story in that one snapshot, even though you're going to get to act it out. So you yeah. really want to be thinking about what are the icons of your story and focus on those icons. Because if the icons are eye-catching and important and are highlighted, then you're on a path to success. Yes, Amy was the one who said it. She said, This challenge is all about capturing an awesome scene in a single snapshot. And she went on to explain that at the end of the challenge, it was going to be animated. So we want to see all the great details that can really come to life. And, you know, Jamie also emphasizes that you're building at minifigure scale. So details matter. Uh, You know, so this is one of those instances where they're setting the scale here in the challenge. A lot of times you could do minifigures, you could do brick built characters, you know, it's sort of up to you. But Emily, you know, what was your takeaway from this challenge? And would this be one that you would be excited to do? Oh, I'd be so excited for this challenge. I get the creative side of it, but I love making up stories and doing things like that. This would have been like a dream challenge for me. I probably would have done like the (laughs) typical Hallmark movie, a CEO moves and tries to save her family's tree farm and meets the handsome, you know, (laughs) bread maker in the cafe and they end up getting married, even though she's been engaged to a guy for seven years somewhere else. That's probably would have been my scene, just a big old love story in a tree farm kind of style (laughs) for me. So I loved it. I thought this would have been so fun. I think I could have crushed this because I love to just be like animated and out there. This one would have been really fun for me. And it would have been fun for us to watch you do it. I, I can <laughs> say that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think to your point, like it needs to feel holiday-ish. Like if it's not holiday enough, I think you're doing it wrong. But I also think that because they want to see this single snapshot, like an awesome scene, he, you know, he says, uh, well, you know, like just to go back, says build the most memorable, soon to be iconic scene. And so part of me feels like you kind of have to go all out. And I think that we did see a lot of teams take that approach to say, you know, this couldn't be like a, like a an intimate moment between two characters like this had to be a big wacky scene you know this is like 
jingle all the way where he dresses up as turbo man at the parade like this i mean this has got to be the big scene um and i I just love that movie i also love the 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 dumb cheesy holiday movies too um but they have eight hours and 10 million dollars to produce their holiday classic up just kidding uh they have no money uh to produce (laughs) it but um but this one was really fun i think this is a this is just one of those like wacky challenges that we really love to see um but you know let's jump a little bit into the build phase so you know, this one uh, for let's start with Nini and Caleb. Theirs was a uh, Nini says, what if ours was a pregnant Christmas? Immediately, that's what Nini goes to, which I love. Um, you know, Caleb's Caleb's on board, of course. He's like, oh, it's a race to the hospital on Christmas. And Nini goes, and you're the dad. Um, so I really just like love their dynamic. But, you know, uh, you know, Jamie had a lot of concerns here about how he would be able to decipher the story if everything was happening in the car. You know, so they were trying to troubleshoot, you know, could it be a convertible so we could see into the car? or a Jeep without a top. And Will comes over and he says, what if Santa helps them get to the hospital with his sleigh? Caleb says, Will solved a huge problem for us. And Will says, it's a holiday bricktacular miracle. So Emily, I mean, you're coming off the most recent season. How many times did Will give you ideas that saved your build? Never. Will's ideas were always <laughs> horrible. He always he was more distracting than helpful. I was like pleasantly surprised to see him coming up with that idea. And Honestly, I don't think we're allowed to use his ideas anyway, because at one point he had built something on our table and I was like, let's put this in our build. And it was like, "Uh, uh-uh, you can't you can't have it. So I'm like, (laughs) he was not helpful. He was a hindrance for me because he was distracting. Exactly. So to see him do this here, I was I was like, is this is this a a new precedent? Can we expect Will to be helping out in the future? Uh, You know, I'm sure a lot of teams would have liked that. Um, But, you know, I I don't think that one's going to probably, you know, make it uh, into the future. But, uh, but, you know, going on then, you know, we had a lot of other fun, uh, fun builds here, but, you know, Marshawn again, you know, he's, they're, they're going really high concept here. And, you know, they, you know, he says it's a 2023, they're fighting over which game to watch. Uh, Dave explains they rip the multiverse open. They're putting together ice city, Oakland, van city, Vancouver, the players fly. They've got robots. I mean, I think, um, you know, this is sort of what I was saying that you've got to go big, but Dave, like, Talk, talk us through sort of what your thought was when you were getting this initial elevator pitch from Dave and Marshawn, because um, sometimes a lot can just be a lot. Sometimes a lot can just be a lot. I think that's a great way to say it. There was a lot going on in this idea, and it was really interesting to see them just having fun. You know, they won the first challenge. So like, as I always say, sometimes your next build right after that is a reaction to what you just did. So now they they proved that they can win. Now it's time to just have fun and throw the most bonkers idea out there that you can. So <laughs> great, they're having fun. They're, they're doing something bonkers. Um, maybe, you know, if anybody knows what Marshawn's businesses are outside of Lego Masters, maybe there was some influence. <laughs> Who knows? We'll never know, really. Um but uh, but speaking of, of a lot being a lot, you know, on Robin Crystal's team, theirs was a sci-fi Christmas feature, Lord Gortho stealing the joy from around the galaxy. But, you know, they're decorating, they're adding more and more details. And Crystal, you know, we see this sort of montage of her being like, the hot tub's going to be behind here and you know all this sort of stuff. And uh, she's saying, you know, I worried I went too crazy. Uh, you know, she says it's sort of like a pattern, you know, it's, it's a hot mess until it's not. Certainly reminds me of how they performed uh, Crystal and Amy back in season one in their movie genre challenge. 
Um, but that's another one of those examples where a lot is a lot. And we know like good editing is definitely a piece that Jamie likes to emphasize. So Emily, like, how do you make sure that your ideas, you know, are succinct on Lego Masters? You know, I think, you know, you want to think of the things that enhance it, you know, like, um, like I think back to your roller coaster, you know, what would enhance it? Oh, a spider, but you're not adding a spider and a centipede and a millipede. And, a, you know, you, you can't do too much. I feel like Kelly and I were really good at editing our builds. Um, we definitely were like more clean of most of the teams, which then, you know, did us dirty in the end. We should have done more. But um, I think <laughs> sometimes you can edit too much. Sometimes you can't edit enough. I think that's where you find your balance on it. And this build, I think, Overall, when I was hearing Crystal, I'm like, this one's going to be this one's going to be wild. And let's let's hope they can pull it off and edit it enough to make it look good. overall. Yeah, I know it's tough because we talk about on the show that like people don't always have enough fun with the challenges. Like I sort of feel like when you're thinking about a lot of the winning builds or how to be successful at any given challenge, I, I sort of feel like you want to think of what is the most fun expression of the challenge that you can have. So like you want to have fun and go wild, but you want to make sure that you can. <laughs> Only go so wild that you don't, uh, you know, go off the rails and then you sort of put your put your own idea at risk by your lack of editing. But why don't we jump in and figure out how these movies turned out? So we'll start here with Kelly and Randall. Their build and movie was called Up to Snow Good. Um, and as the story goes, Elton the Elf is an elf working at Santa's workshop in, at Christmas every year, but he's tired of working overtime. So he breaks out of the North Pole and employs a robot army of elves to ruin Christmas for everybody. The iconic scene here is the climax of the movie. At the Saint Nick of Time, uh, Santa and his reindeer and, ma and magical gifts are coming to save the day. Um, so, Dave, why don't we start with you on this one? Up to Snow Good, you know, two thumbs up? Uh, I would give it, you know, like a solid gentleman seven. Uh, but... <laughs> Let's talk about let's talk about the build, um, yes. because I think they did some really smart things. Uh, one, they had that mech, which is the big icon. You know, you want that big icon there to like catch your eye. But the mech is also the action because you've got the mech creating the tornado. You've got the snow being sprayed on half of the build. And then that other half of the build was really detailed. I loved the way they used. I think they were using opalescent. Um, five by six um, panels for the windows for some of them to give it kind of like an icy feeling and the way the ice was and the snow was draped over things on that um, on the left side looked really nice um, and you know they talked a little bit about like decorating the windows and making sure and Kelly gave that great suggestion about curtains um, I really liked the way the team came together on this and they had the characters were very clear like Here's the bears and Santa. Here's the mechs and the elves. It was all a really nice story. And also you may a little bit of, I, I, I heard a little bit about Randall saying that at the end, they had to improvise the story a little bit because they ran out of time, but you couldn't tell. It was a great story. They did a great job. I loved the build. And what more is there to say, except for what Emily's about to say. <laughs> very true um yes i i mean i if, if they improvised their story i i definitely couldn't tell um it was really really exceptional and i think you know to your point having those facades built so nicely was a really great backdrop for their scene but it wasn't too busy you know there was like the color blocked brownstones 
um, two of different colors, and then the white half, you know, where it was all blown over with the snow. So really smart choices. And by putting those curtains in, they avoid the problem that Mel faced in the Mega City Challenge, where if you don't put things inside your buildings, then the judges are going to call you out on it. So just cover up those windows. Uh, that's a good tip. But Emily, what did you think about this? Yeah, I thought this was really, for how much was going on, it was really clean. Like Dave was saying, you could tell one side versus the other. And I don't know if anyone got it, but the robot elves were on wheels. Like they have wheels that they are rolling around in the animation. <laughs> it is hilarious. I love when they say, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Santa. Like that's a typical line for a movie. I thought that was really great. I love how the sleigh is floating. It's on those translucent bar pieces, but there's so many of them to hold up that heavy sleigh. I'm surprised it stayed because those have a lot of give to them. Um, The facade (laughs) on the houses in the background, so good because then you don't have to worry about building a whole thing. They had stairs, they had enough detail on them that they still looked really well done. I liked it. Absolutely. Yeah. The to your point, like the sleigh had a really dynamic look because because those pieces were sagging, it gave it like a very unique angle, like almost like they intended it. Um, so yeah, loved that one. And uh, to your point, those elf robots, because they were like robots with elf, you know, hats and ears. They looked like little Segway scooters, like, you know, like two wheeled yeah. Segway scooters, which I loved. And they had that spinning tornado like we talked about, you know, so just really like um, really great storytelling. That's like to your point, Dave, about the mech. We know how this happened. We can see sort of the steps that led to this happening right in their build. So when it's that clear, it's really nice. The one thing I also love was, you know, Santa brought in his his army as well of bears with rocket launchers is what it looked like to me. And, <laughs> and we, of course, had uh, some reindeer with snowball catapults, you know, so that's that's what that's what Santa brings to the party. You know, he wasn't mess. He wasn't messing around in this one. So, so exciting um, to see Kelly and Randall's build. But why don't we then move on to number two? This was Marshawn and Dave. Their movie was called Ice and Van Shooting for a Holiday Miracle. And this build was was, again, that wacky story. It's a sci fi. It's a holiday sci fi sports action movie. I mean, this is like a an, an SEO keyword, you know, amazing <laughs> amalgam of movie genres. But They said the story goes, if you uh, here, we have it in 2023 and everyone's at home for the holidays. Some of them want to watch hockey. So I'm going to watch football. And what happens is the multiverse tears Oakland and Vancouver apart and slams them together. And they're playing a new futuristic game, hockey, football at the same time. This is the climax climax of the movie where someone is taking a big shot. So, yes, this was um, their, their description and their acting out was so funny. Um, And at the very end, I love the line where he says, for the first time ever, we have double champs, which has never been done before um, because the score was tied up as 24-24. But, you know, this was a really kooky uh, premise. But Emily, why don't we start with you on this one? What did you think about this shooting for a holiday miracle movie? Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) The background, the background is really cool and you don't get to see the city, I'm guessing is what it was, the cityscape, because it was really intense. I do like that the numbers change via the animation. I thought that was really cool. I still, for the life of me, I have watched it now three times, this one section, cannot figure out what they use to get that ice look on the ice part of the build i i don't yeah. know what it because it's it's like hazy it's not translucent pieces yeah it's so like it's those newer hazy. opalescent pieces so if, if you've built sets like opalescent 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I know that word. Uh, Who but it's, it's, one, it's one of those new um, like one by six by five uh, panels that's from two different sets so far. So the first one is the Lunar New Year ice uh, festival or ice skating you know, set from last year. And then from this year, it would be the Alpine Lodge, the, the holiday set from this year. So it's those it's just a really cool color. And it's, you know, as Lego fans, we're always like, how did they get that many of that? I feel like, you know, because, you know, only a couple come in a set. So it's great to see that you have like 30. <laughs> you um, heard it here, folks. Opalescent. <laughs> this, is why you, this is why you come here, you know, for vocabulary lessons, um, whatever it might be. Yeah, I think Amy said it right. This was a little bit busy. You couldn't fully see, but overall it's fun. They are a fun team. Uh, Marshawn brought the energy. I adore that man. Um, I thought it was great overall. So. <laughs> yes. This was another one of those, like a lot is a lot. And it's one of those things where, you know, this unbridled creativity was both probably very helpful as they like came to fill out their scene, but may have had them actually fill it out too much. You know, they had like the scene with people watching TV on the left. They had like the big scoreboard, which blocked a lot of their other work that they had behind it with those buildings. It was a feast for the eyes, but it was a lot. But Dave, we have to get your thoughts. What did you think about this one? Well, I think one of the things that was successful was the composition. Like there were three layers. There was the city. There was the audience and then there was the field. And I like how they put the field on an angle. I thought that was a really smart choice. Um, but maybe something else to make it a little more dynamic would have helped. And, you know, perhaps you put things a little off center to help make it interesting. It was very nicely done, but just a little bit something to make it stand out would have been nice. Yeah, yeah. Because I think you, to your point, you want to make sure that like your eye feels like it can land somewhere. And so maybe like on the left could have been that scene. And then maybe the, if the field was shifted over to the right, then, you know, we could see the TV to field, you know, change a little bit more linearly um, as we, you know, as, as, as English speakers, we read left to right too. Um, but there was a lot of really great details in here. Um, I also had noticed, uh, noted those opalescent pieces in my notes. But one other thing was right behind the field was a large Christmas tree. And it was built using a really interesting technique with those, they call them Travis bricks, where it has, it's a one by one with studs on all sides. And if you're a fan of Dave and Emily from season three, their camp build, Camp Ooze, those are the exact same like tree techniques that they use there. So, um, you know, listen, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it as you look to bring things in from season to season. So that was a little, I feel like that was an Easter egg for me uh, <laughs> a little bit. But, you know, the field also is really dynamic. There was elves on the, on the football side. And then there was these figures in red with those winter hats for the hockey. So it was really easy to sort of see that story. But there was all sorts of chaos. There was like like the puck or the football. I guess I'm guessing it was a puck because it was black with like flames coming off of it. There was like, you know, robots playing. I mean, there was a lot of of wackiness happening on that field. And like we said, I think maybe cleaning it up just a tiny bit would have just helped it shine that much brighter. But loved this from Marshawn and Dave. Next, we've got Nini and Caleb. Their pregnant Christmas movie, A Holiday Delivery, um, was definitely one we had to learn more about. So the whole family's home on Christmas Day opening gifts and celebrating Christmas when mom goes into labor and everyone becomes frantic. They're racing down the streets of the city. There's a lot of chaos going on. And this is the iconic scene in that moment where Santa himself saves Christmas and he was willing to take some time out of his very busy schedule to get them to the hospital. And this was a very entertaining, um, uh, you know, back and forth between Nini and Caleb uh, during their scene. But we'll kick things off with you, Dave. What did you think about this one? Uh, it seemed like Caleb had something to prove with this build because he took something that he knew was going to be 
animated and then he put motion in it and not just a simple motion but a very very complicated motion of using those treads to have it look like the road is moving underneath the car um not only did he do that though but then he decided he was going to put force perspective in the build as well to really give us that like snapshot moment um so together he he took the story that nini had and was able to turn it into this brilliant mechanical build. Um, and I really, really appreciate him getting all those things working together in such a difficult way in such a short time and incorporating the story into it as well. Yes. Also, I wanted to say it was a super clean build. It was so clean and so easy to figure out what was going on. It wasn't jumbled at all. It was so crystal clear what was happening. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, I mean, this was a really complex way to tell this story. In like, in, in, and it turned out so beautifully. And I also had noted that forced perspective. Uh, and, and I thought maybe he learned that from the hero shot challenge in, uh, in, season, uh, in season two or season three. No, season two, I was right. Season two and your season. So the season that he did, you know, having to do that forced perspective hero shot, maybe that's what gave him that idea. I, I like to think in my head canon. Uh, but Emily, what did you think? Okay, from the straight of my mouth, it's a 10 out of 10. I love it. It is so <laughs> good. This one takes the cake for me. This one takes the whole wedding cake. I don't what, care what you want to call it. This one is unbelievable. It is clean. The snow coming over the edges. You have carolers. You have little lampposts. It's gorgeous. Caleb, you crush this if you're listening. This is a, this is amazing. Um, you get that same kind of movement in the Nintendo NES game with Mario and it's not easy to do with the instructions so now without them th this this build wins the whole season for me I think this was unbelievable yeah I mean to your point the conveyor belt just it turned out so great and in some ways like this this did what a lot of the other builds tried to do which is add a bunch of wackiness but because the wackiness sort of comes and goes as it leaves the conveyor belt there's not too many things visible at one time so there's lots of fun surprises that continue to pop up on the road, but they're never all on screen at once, which I think is really what sets this one apart in an unbelievable way. And at the center, we've got Santa sleigh with the reindeer. And, you know, they have this big black base that sort of hides the mechanism, but they still had enough attention to detail to keep that clean, add a large wreath at the front just to make it festive. And so, you know, if you if you have to have the big base, they, they did enough with it to at least not have it be a distraction. So really loved this one. and just. You know, what a heartwarming uh, holiday, you know, film, this holiday delivery. I just, you have to talk about how Caleb was the dad and Nini was the mom and Marshawn's <laughs> comment. Like those are, those are so funny to me. And Caleb is so sweet and so nerdy and we all love him and adore him and that, and she is so not that way. That part to me, that was hilarious. I was la like literally laughing out loud at that. That was 10 out of 10 hilarious. Oh, yes, it was so good. And to your point, like the like we talked about at the top, like the juxtaposition between these two and then Marshawn sort of adding to it, it like it, it, if it had happened to anyone else, you know, like if they did this to Dave, if they did this to Crystal, it wouldn't have landed. It had to be Caleb, you know, like it just had to be Caleb. Like it, when she says to him, she leans over to him and she goes, well, you're the dad. So why are you crying? I'm the one in pain. <laughs> 
<laughs> was dying. It was amazing. So Caleb was a very good sport on this one. And I just loved it. So couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So we've got one more team though. We have to talk about this is Robin Crystal, Good Santa and the Battle for Joy. As their story goes, if you liked Star Wars, Titanic, and Dude Where's My Car, <laughs> stand by because it only gets better. Santa don't play. What? An evil alien is going around the universe sucking up all the joy. He comes to Earth where, and where does he go? He makes a big blunder. He goes to the North Pole where he runs into one bad Santa and his bad elves. And Santa saves Christmas because he don't play. What? <laughs> so a, a very classic performance. I mean, only Rob, uh, you know, can really help uh, help drive this. And, and, and again, the uh, the scene as it plays out is very entertaining here. We see, um, you know, uh, uh, we, th we see that Santa gets a phone call from Crystal and she says, you're about to get smoked by an intergalactic jerk named Gortho. He's a real piece of garbage. Um, and so <laughs> as they attack, you know, they convinced Will to be part or forced Will to be part of theirs. And so he when they cut to Gortho, he says, I'm a piece of garbage. And then Will and Crystal go, we know, which I loved. Um, and uh, they blast him with some happiness, which is great. But Emily, we'll kick off with you. What did you think about this one? So the interaction between Will and them was wonderful. This build is very chaotic, but I think that's <laughs> how Crystal likes to build, which I think is great. She played into her strength. She built the way she wanted to build. She was proud of it. And ultimately, like other people liked it, too. She, the the Gortho has like these little black things with the um, like little teeth pieces. I'm not sure. Did, are they teeth all over his body? I'm not 100 percent. I like that he was spinning. He looked gross. Maybe he picks up garbage from the garbage. And that's why he looks kind of gross. Um, I think it's fun. It's crazy. And I mean, I, if that's what you like to build, like go for it, build into what you love and build into your strength. So I, I'm here for it. Yes. Gortho was a, Lord Gortho was a very fun character. All this like purple colors. He looked, I said, he looked colorful. He looked goofy. And then he does that rotation where he like sort of flips back and forth uh, and has fire coming out from all over him. So I wasn't sure if that's after they like attack him or if he just is always covered in fire, but it made me want to know more. But Dave, you know, we've got to get your thoughts on this. What did you think about uh, about this final build from Crystal and Rob? So one of the things that I really liked was that they had a big character. Uh, I think that's really a great icon. And since it's the most important character for their story, it's detailed, it's moving. Um, and it, the colors kind of contrast with everything else that's going on. So it really draws your eye to it. They also had a really complete backdrop, which brings me back to uh, season three with the Marvel challenge where the teams really had to create a whole backdrop behind what was going on. And um, the one thing that I would say is I wish there was a little more blocking of what was happening uh, in the chaos. So you can have chaos, but if you put like the same types of things together, it gives your eyes a way to like feed out what's what's happening. Yeah, I think to your point, like when we're decorating, you know, like when you're putting pepperonis on the pizza, you want to put like one in every spot so it feels really covered. But when we're trying to draw the eye places, clustering, you know, elements maybe helps draw the eye a little bit better. So I think like to your point, that maybe would have told their story a little bit more succinctly. That's something obviously we saw Randall and Kelly uh, do really well because, you know, they had sort of one half is good, one half is evil. It's really easy to follow that story. 
Um, so because everything was sort of coming from all angles is very dynamic, but, you know, could have been even amped up with that sort of clustering like you're talking about. But there was a ton of detail. There was, you know, the backdrop, there was flat trees and mountains on the backdrop, but then there was three dimensional trees uh, in the foreground. There's a waterfall. There's like a purple spaceship that's also on fire in the back. There's a small house. There's lots of different kinds of brick built trees. I mean, there was just really like elves, reindeer all in the foreground. There was a lot packed into this one. Um, listen, in a more is more kind of way. But listen, like Emily said, you know, have fun. If you're, if you're going to do it, have fun. Um, but we saw a, an, another funny one from Rob and Crystal. But of course, we have to go to our results. In our top two this time, we had Robin Crystal and Kelly and Randall. Robin Crystal, Jamie said, we asked for a holiday blockbuster and you delivered us an intergalactic hit. Um, and they really loved especially the pitch and the performance. Uh, Jamie says the reviews are in and you were incredible. Um, and for Kelly and Randall, Amy said that you had great contrast and well-positioned characters and there was just so much fun and imagination in the details. And ultimately, that was able to secure the win for Kelly and Randall and her charity, Every Mother Counts, um, which is just so amazing um, what they're doing for, uh, you know, providing um, maternity benefits to all these cultures and people that don't have access to the care that we have here. So really love that charity. But Dave, talk to us. What did you think about this win from Kelly and Randall? I think they got it right. I think this is just it tells the story really succinctly. Uh, it's very visually appealing. It it ticks all the boxes that they were looking for. So kudos, or kudos, as Amy would say, uh, <laughs> to Randall and, and Kelly for really, you know, having, as you always say, Michael, they really embraced the spirit of the challenge. They had the most fun they could have with what was going on. Yes. And, and you know, Amy, really, her, her talk about um, the contrast, the well-positioned characters, that's exactly what we were just talking about when it came to Robin Crystal's build and probably what set them apart. But um, really love to see this win from Kelly and Randall. What did you think, Emily, about the winners here? I know you were rooting for Nene and Caleb. Yeah, so I loved what Nene and Caleb did, obviously. But I think Randall and Kelly, yeah, as far as their like composition and the way their colors were and how they did, they deserve this win. I think Dave is right. Ultimately, they embodied the challenge as a whole. And I think they crushed it. I'm proud of Randall for this. I think this might be Randall's first win as well on a Lego Masters show. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Um, and it's, you know, we love to see it. Um, I think sometimes, you know, like we saw with Mel last season, these can be like redemption moments for our favorite former uh, contestant. So it's great to see a win for Randall here as well. And, you know, I think, um, you know, Caleb and Nini's build, I agree, you know, I, I sort of feel like that's maybe the miss is that they should have at least been in the top two. But I wonder if maybe the sort of like pedestrian story, the fact that it was like a very like, you know, a story about normal people in a normal city. And the only new thing is Santa versus this was like robots. And, you know, Robin Crystals was aliens. Like, you know, were they were the, were the judges looking for that extra amp up of the non everyday? Um, you know, who knows? But uh, but, I, but it's great to see a win from Kelly and Randall. And listen, the Holiday Protacular fun does not stop there. You had to wait a whole day for the other two challenges, but here you won't have to wait a whole minute uh, on the Talk Rex Masters podcast. So we've got to jump straight into challenge number three. Um, you know, we start this episode seeing Will shoveling snow back in the gallery area. And he says, we got hit with a massive snowstorm last night and we need to plow our way out. Your challenge is to create the coolest, drivable snowplows we've ever seen. 
You need to theme them out to match your celebrity's personalities because they will be driving these vehicles. And, you know, Jamie says, we're providing you with an RC base to build on. So make sure that your plow is low enough to gather those snowballs, but high enough that it doesn't get caught on anything along the way. Really think about fun and clever ways to capture those snowballs and make sure you've got enough strength to hold on to them and maybe even defend them from other teams. And I, I think I may have inadvertently assembled the dream team to talk about this challenge because we've got Emily who who raced in the 2K Drive Challenge, but we also have Dave who participated in the, the Derby Challenge from season two. So Dave, we'll start off with you. I know you're no stranger to an RC base and building for strength. So talk to us about kind of like, what are the considerations? You know, Jamie sort of tipped his hat a little bit on what they should be thinking about, but what considerations are you giving this, especially as someone who's built something in a very similar challenge and won it, I should say. Thank you, Michael. Um, <laughs> I think the the key to this build, they, they, first of all, they give you the easy creative. All you have to do is match your car to the personality of your partner. So there you go. There's your brief. But the key is how do you connect that plow to the front of your vehicle and still have it be strong enough to stay on? And I bet all the teams spent lots and lots of times tinkering with that and figuring out what the best shape was. And you saw lots of teams tinkering with that. But you've got to figure out, is Technic the way to go? How are you going to get out past the wheels, past that technic, that frame that they're giving you that's pre-made, that's not all Lego? And how are you going to get it at the right height that you can move the snowballs? And who knows if they even saw what the snowballs would look like before they had to test them. Yeah, I mean, you make a great point because, you know, we did see them test driving, but we didn't see them like test snowball shoveling, if you will. <laughs> um, but Emily, you know, you're like I said, you're no stranger to driving one of these cars. You know, we, you know, I know that you almost didn't trust yourself to drive in your challenge. Would you be trusting a celebrity, you know, a, a non-race car driver to handle this challenge? And 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 what are your thoughts about about what they had to take on here? This one might be a little too soon for me, uh, <laughs> but I probably would have liked someone else to drive for me. But Kelly had driven the boat and done the modeling. And she said, I'm done. It's your turn. So ultimately, I was going to drive. Um, I knew I was going to go slow. I would be nervous. Um, the front, like Dave talked about, not dragging on the ground, being high enough, but low enough that you can get the snow. I, oh, this one would have been a little bit stressful for me. Yeah. And, and no team has really had to have like a functional component with these RC cars. Like it's more just can the car do what it needs to do as a car. And, you know, while the, you know, there's technic pieces sort of strapped onto the RC base, we don't know if there's a great way to, you know, get the, get everything low enough, you know, to your point in, in Lego increments to make that happen. So who knows, um, uh, you know, how you, how, what is the right way to approach this? But we saw the teams do it in quite a few different ways. So let's talk a little bit about just a couple moments here from the, uh, the build phase. And of course we have to talk about Marshawn. He, you know, was, he's, he's a competitor, but um, you know, he was sort of threatening everyone at right up at the top. He says he's going to drive aggressively. He's going to take the everyone's snowballs. He's going to steal them. And we see him walking around again, like sort of trash talking all the builds. I wrote down a bunch of the quotes uh, from that montage. He says, I don't know if that's going to go. That Mario Kart is going to get destroyed. Y'all need some help. Uh, oh, you think, uh, you know what? The, uh, or, yeah. Oh, you know, what's the bad part? You got to drive, he says to Nini. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he he wasn't uh, instilling any confidence. He was tearing people down, but in a funny way the whole time. Um, you know, 
Emily, you know, you, you know what it's like in these high stress racing situations uh, to be, you know, a little bit trash talk, maybe have someone evil laugh at you, but you've never, you know, experienced this sort of Marshawn level taunting. So what do you think about that? I don't know. Christopher was pretty, pretty ambitious with his uh, taunting towards me. Um, <laughs> there were a lot of things that were edited out that I can't even say on this show because it's PG and like, <laughs> We had a good go of it. I think I would have handed it right back to Marshawn, just like I did with Christopher. You would have heard Marshawn instead of Christopher <laughs> over and over and over. So yes, uh, and and again, we would have loved to see that. Very entertaining. Um, but you know, we also see. You know, we talked about this earlier, um, but we saw a lot of the teams testing things, and we even saw you know Caleb driving things around and breaking it, and you know suffering a break, even like according to the edit, like 30 seconds left, they're like strapping some things on. Uh, but I really loved the way that Nini put her personality into the build. Uh, immediately, she's like, so it has to be pink because it's based on my personality. I like diamonds. I like nice things. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> Nini goes bling, diamonds, money. So like if she's she's any if she's anything, she's true to herself. Uh, but but Dave, what did you think about this? Like, you know what it's like when you're trying to, um, you know, sort of uh, work through some of these challenges as the time's ticking, things are breaking. You don't want to let, you know, Nini down. We know she's got high, high taste. You know, what, what do you think is going through uh, their heads as they go through some of these challenges? This is a tough challenge. And I, I, I think anybody who's been on the show can think about it. But for our audience, you have a very small thing that you're working on. And you have two people trying to work on that small thing. So it's no surprise that Marshawn has other activities to do sometimes when this build is happening. And it's no surprise that Nini is maybe just like telling Caleb, do this, do this, do this. Uh, it's very much of uh, like you have to really be in sync with your partner to be able to work on something as small as a remote control car together. So you could tell which teams were maybe had the builder doing a lot more and which teams had their partner doing other activities. <laughs> well, we did see shenanigans. Yeah, shenanigans. We did see um Nini putting on a lot of those like one by one pieces, so it was a repeatable thing that she could handle. Um but maybe since Marshawn had so much time to walk around, we know how that team might may have handled things. Um but but who knows. Um but it was great to see this um and you know, it's one of those um just like, you know, I like these character moments I think is what makes the holiday spectacular. But why don't we jump into the judging here? And our first one was Kelly and Randall. This this build was called 1957 Kel Air, and it was based off of the 1957 Chevy Bel Air that she got for her 18th birthday. Um, I didn't get a car for any birthday, so that's pretty impressive, uh, let alone such a cool car. But we'll kick things off with you, Emily. What did you think about Kelly and Randall's Kel Air. I love the idea that Kelly got to do something that meant so much to her. Again, they use the bat wings. Maybe they use the bat wings in every episode. Um, <laughs> the bat wings are like the front of the car. Um, I'm not so sure like how they thought their um, little push thing plow was going to do because it has so many gaps and it doesn't have any kind of side support to it to hold the ball in. It just, to me, feels like the balls would just roll off the side of him. And maybe that's why they had some issues. But overall, I think it's <laughs> cute. I think Kelly looks adorable in there with her pigtails. Um, so I think they did a good job. Yes, you make a good point. So they were using, I think they're like uh, lovingly referred to in the Lego community as the banana gears, these large technic quarter rounds, if you will. And I think to your point, 
because the slope of it is almost so severe, I don't know that a snowball would really get up into it before it would roll away. And so I think like you, you want a plow, but you don't need it to be like a true scoop like you would have for a snowplow because it's only a scoop because it's trying to move something and divert it off to the side of the road. When you want to hold onto something, I think you almost want it to be angled, but maybe almost like a little flat, like a hockey goal or something like that, that you're trying to scoop things up in. So, you know, definitely some, uh, some, some interesting choices here. And they, and they had to workshop it. Originally, it was horizontal, then it was going to be vertical. Uh, but Dave, you know, what stood out to you about this build? It was really fun listening to a little bit of like how much Kelly wanted, like, it has to be a 1957 Chevy Bel Air. And Randall's like, okay, so I'm thinking about like a diner. And she's like, no, 1957 Chevy Bel Air. <laughs> she had her direction set. And so Randall's job was to figure out how to make this look like that car. And uh, out of all of them, this is the one that feels like a car. It really has that really great shaping. There's so many details on it. Like one of my favorite details was like the white piping that he put on those seats on the inside. Yeah. It was so well built for beauty. It looked beautiful. And then we'll talk about what happened afterwards. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I think you make a really good point. Like it has that great look. You know, Kelly had described it almost like a car from Greece. And it reminded me of from season one, um, when uh, in the storybook challenge, when we were in the doing the deep dives, like with Aaron and Christian, I think they were talking about like when you're building like a gymnastic unicorn or whatever it is, you don't remember or gymnastic horse. I forgot what it was. They don't, you know, you don't have any reference. You don't, you can't look up. What does a horse look like? You have to just sort of remember it. And so I think maybe that was part of the struggle with Kelly and Randall was that she couldn't just pull up a picture of a 1957 Bel Air. You can't just Google. There's no Google on, on Lego masters, unfortunately, no Google images, but yes, I mean, this was had all the right components of a nice car large headlights at the front, taillights at the back. There was bats on the side. There was a bat hood ornament. They had, um, you know, the base really had nicely covered the wheel frames. Um, you know, there was like kind of this chrome strip or pinstriping down the side. There was the two rows of red seats with those white stripes, like you mentioned, but also lots of interior details like a snowman, Christmas presents, a tree. There was those large fins at the back with the flames that had that nice transparent gradient. And at the very back, there was a, a KO license plate like Kelly Osborne, and the trunk was open and full of gifts. But like you said, Emily, I think that Kelly figure was really the standout for me. You know, um, she's wearing like a Christmas sweater with all these stars on it. She's got this expressive winking face. It almost looks like she's wearing bright red lipstick with her mouth the way that it was built. So just a really amazing standout, I think, from this team. Like if it was on aesthetics alone, I think this probably was one of the best ones, period. Um, but yes, it was great to see this from Kelly and Randall. But we, of course, have to move on to Rob and Crystal. And their build was called Rob Riggle. Because um, during the build phase, <laughs> phase, Rob said it would be a snowplow from hell. And its special features include muscle, good looks, knife hands. And it's my big dumb face on the front of this snowplow. <laughs> uh, but Dave, why don't we start with you? What did you think about this one? Well, they said make the car into your partner. And that certainly was Rob Riggle right on the front. It's kind of seemed like uh, the cyborg or bionic Rob. Um, and if anyone's wondering what was going on, it seems that every team, this is something that we had to do on our challenge. Uh, Kelly probably had, or Emily, you probably had to do this also, where they had a camera that they had to incorporate into their build. So they put their camera as one of Rob's eyes. Um, yeah. And that's how they got through that. 
uh, it was really interesting for Crystal um, to think about um, how to get strength because she's never built a remote control car out of Lego before. You know, some of these other teams have had similar challenges. Maybe she has done it, but she's really leaning into the technic. And I think one of the things that was really clever about her is that she put some defense in the back. She made a really big technic uh, bumper to protect the back of their vehicle. And I did like the way that as opposed to Randall, she left the wheel wells uncovered so that there nothing could get stuck in there. Um, that's a crucial component to this challenge, which Jamie alluded to in at the beginning and also alluded to in our challenge. Um, so she's doing a lot of the right things and, uh, it was fun. It was fun. She really embraced the idea of Rob is the car and let's have more knife hands. Yes. Never enough knife hands, uh, for this team. But yeah, I mean, I, I noted, I feel like Rob's brick built face looked terrifying. I mean, it, like it was, the skin was, was like built out of white brick. So it just looked uh, like so pale. It had gray lips, sharp teeth and a red tongue. One eye was a camera. The other one was was lit up red. I said it almost looked like Cyborg Dracula. That's what it looked like to me. <laughs> uh, but it was very comical in that way. And I think Rob probably wouldn't have wanted it any other way. But Emily, what did you think about the build? Yeah, so like the front, the snowplow front of this one, you can see that if it catches one of those snowballs in there, it's going to stay in there. It's going to bounce off of those big side brick built that she has built on top of her Technic pins, which I think that was a smart front. Does it look aesthetically the best? No, but it that wasn't the goal, right? The goal was to pick up as many snowballs as you can. I do love the fin on the back. I think that is probably my favorite part of this build. It looks really done. And it has a turkey on there. Who doesn't want like a little turkey on the fin at the back? It's, it's awesome. Um, the face is terrifying. But again, what Dave said is <laughs> You, uh, you, you, what people don't know is we had to have a place for, to charge it and a place for your camera. And so those are things that you don't think about when you're not there on the show, you got to have certain things, elements that they require. And so I'm assuming they probably had the same thing. They had to have a place that they could charge it and a place for their camera. I think it's very Rob Riggle and very crystal. So I think it was great for them. Absolutely. Yeah. At the very front, the scoop says Rob rules with a Z, the knife hands, you know, I, I don't know if it really looked like a hand to me, but both drawing hands and building hands, you know, it's never easy to do. So, uh, but yeah, love to see that. And at the very back, you know, they had that great spoiler on the side. There's flames that are going up, flames that are going down. Um, you know, it re they really tried to like pack in a lot of those fun details where they could. Um, so yeah, loved seeing this one from Rob and Crystal. And our next one was Marshawn and Dave. This was the beast. And uh, and I have to just say that this one was so similar or so reminiscent to me, Dave, of your red devil. You know, the colors were the same, even like the raw shaping was the same. The wheels were similarly exposed. Like, I have to give it to you first. What did you think about the beast? And tell me why it is exactly your car. Well, maybe great Dave's just think alike. Yes. And, <laughs> uh, you know, immediately he said the same thing that I said when we got this challenge. I heard Dave say, we're just going to make the car a character. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, it is similar in many ways, but there's a lot of improvements, I would say, that Dave made. Um, I really liked the like the kind of camo pattern that's on the vehicle because it gives it a way to hide what's happening. So you don't have to get super detailed with everything that's on it. 
You can just focus on the icons like the dreads, like the teeth, like the sign, like the necklace, like the little Marchand on top. I think those are speakers on the back and he's using the anti-studs on those. He's turned them around to use the back of them. Um, I also really like, sounds like they put a sensor in the front of it so that the the eyes would light up every time it saw a white snowball in front of it. So amazing. Uh, I I would just build a car that was strong (laughs) and could pick up (laughs) snowballs. But of course, Dave goes beyond everything else and has to top everyone in that way. So in this case, one, it's intimidating looking. Two, it looks like he's hidden all of the strength, but it's in there. And three, it looks like the red devil. So let's give it some props for that too. Yes, yes, we have to. And yeah, to your point, like when you look at the at the at the stills of this car, like in those moments where we get the close-ups in the episode, you can see that sensor. It's right in the middle of the four and ya of coming for you. Uh, and that's that's next level uh, for sure. Um, so we love to see it. But Emily, what did you think of this build? Um, I love it. I think it's super fun. I love the dreads coming off the back. The texture, like Dave said, um, on the sides with the kind of camo look to it. It's well done, but it's not overly done. And so I love that about it. I love the gold tooth um, that's happening because Marshawn has some gold teeth. It's really cool. Uh, the lights kind of strung on the front, give it a little more Christmassy element. And I love Marshawn and his little Santa hat. I think I think they did a great job. So I really like it. And it looks strong. And it looks... Yes. It, it, Spoiler. It, <laughs> it was really great. You know, I think... Uh, that little Marshawn elf, you know, gives it a lot of character that it's almost riding the beast, as you will. And all those dreads remind me a lot of um, Aaron and uh, Liz's build from the dog challenge. Uh, they use the same technique with the flex tube and those one by one rounds. And there's some black ones, there's some red ones. So it's really dynamic uh, the way that that looked. And I just I think this was one of those ones where it was, you know, Marshawn wanted to be intimidating. And this definitely continues their intimidation, even in the build. And at the very back, even it says beast. So, you know, as you see it drive away from you, the snowball, uh, you'll you'll remember its name, (laughs) if you will. But this is another fun one from Marshawn and Dave. And our final one here was Nini and Caleb. Theirs was the glam plow. And Nini said, we did all things girly, beautiful, fabulous, diamonds, pearls, pink, lots of personality. Uh, Emily, you're, you're no stranger to pink, you know, as you, as you were always in pink on the, on the episode. So let's start with you here. What did you think about their glam plow? I thought it was really fun. I liked that the things that Nini put on, which were the one by one rounds, I think it adds character. It's really fun. There are some things that I'm like, are those supposed to be flowers? Are they supposed to be diamonds? I'm unsure of that, but I love the little, um, I don't, I want to call them smokestacks, but I don't know what they're actually called. Those, uh. <laughs> Things on the side, engine. I'm yeah. not a car person, guys, like so I don't know. <laughs> I would call so, them smokestacks. I think that's fair. Okay, there we go. And I think their the way they built their plow is perfect. It um, has it where it has that good lever, and then it holds in the snowball. So I I like it overall. I think obviously there could have been a little more polish to it, but you know. Yeah. No, I I think you nailed it. You know, I I think you know it has that sort of big rig truck feel. It's got the big truck bed at the back. So I definitely think it's like a cab with the two exhausts, those like smokestacks that you'd see on a on a big rig truck. And, you know, it's almost reminiscent to me of Caleb's sunshine wagon, 
which was his build from season two, which is also a big truck. And if you cut it at the very back, it has the same sun logo from the sunshine sunshine wagon. So it is one of those things that uh, Caleb knew that we would notice on the podcast. Uh, But Dave, what were your thoughts? Well, how amazing is it to be invited to be on the Celebrity Spectacular and have a challenge designed specifically for you to get redemption? I mean, that's got to feel very good, but also a lot of pressure. I mean, we saw it last season with Mel. He got that special challenge that seemed tailor-made for him. Now we have a special challenge that seems tailor-made for Caleb. Um, But I think he, one, yes, he's put in all these references to the Sunshine Wagon, those stacks directly from the Sunshine Wagon. The, the, well, a reference to it, but the, the bumper sticker definitely is a direct homage to it. And he's got that character too, just like the Sunshine Wagon had a character uh, driving it. Um, So, but I do think he's learned some things since last time. Um, One thing is that he's got it close to the core on the bottom. Everything's close together. So nothing's going to get around those wheels. um, And that's where the structure is. And then as he gets higher, that's when he starts spreading out what's happening. Um, And then I do like the way that that front is really well designed. He really thought about how to design that and spent a lot of time on making sure that that was strong and would win the challenge by moving snowballs. Yeah. It was almost strong, but also movable. Like the front of the plow like would move. You saw it in the preview of that. And I, yeah, I just thought, and he also learned not to drive it off a, off a wall too. So he, he learned three <laughs> things in this episode. Proud of yes. him. We're all very proud of you, Caleb. But no, I mean, this one was really great. At the back, there's that large truck bed with with those pink circles and also filled with yellow snowballs. So we we didn't talk about sort of the sabotage that Nini was very excited um, to drop those traps. Very reminiscent of what we saw in that same challenge from season two with Maria and Phillips build had those boxes that would be dropped out. So he clearly took a lot of the best things from everyone's builds there. Um, and really put it to great use um, here with Nini's build. But of course, we have to talk about the Snowballs of Fury, as Will called it. This, you know, this brawl for all the different snowballs. At the top of the episode, Will explains how it's going to work. He says, we're going to drop the snowplows into a snowball field arena and put them to the test. The team that can plow the most snowballs into their snow zone will automatically ride into the top two. So essentially, there's like 30 snowballs in this field. But at the same time, the field has a lot of obstacles. There's lampposts, there's houses. It's almost like a regular city square that has like streets that you'd have to navigate around in order to be able to get all the snowballs. So while it felt like it should be, shouldn't it be easy enough to get these snowballs? It definitely wasn't. We see just chaos because it was only three minutes long too, which, which really didn't feel like, uh, you know, as long as we've seen some of these other ones go. But, you know, Marshawn, uh, or sorry, at the very top, Nini immediately crashes into a house, which I love. But then Marshawn, you know, gets one, is able to get two, um, you know, and then Kelly bumps straight into a lamppost, loses the hood of their car. The two sides, like the where the um, from the headlights all the way to the back, those are starting to fall off. Rob immediately crashes into a lamppost, loses his head, literally, Uh, you know, and then um, two minutes in, we see Nini release the yellow snowballs. Marshawn gets three. Nini somehow already has three. We see Kelly and Randall's car is just falling apart. Um, The sides fall off. The back falls off. Little Kelly, poor little Kelly falls off. Um, And at one point, it's just the chassis chassis, and that amazing 
set of red seats that Dave was talking about. Like that was that was the lone survivor of their car. Um, we see Rob now is able to have three, but he loses one. He knocks one out of his own zone and goes back down to two. And then Marshawn goes in and steals one of Nini's snowballs. And we see at the very end, he's able to get four and his car's taken some damage. I noticed that like the dread section was sort of dragging behind the car. Um, but but they, was, they were able to get four, which was the top in this challenge. And again, just like we saw in the first challenge, Marshawn and Dave are able to sail here into the top two. And um, Will asks them the question, how does it feel? And uh, Marshawn goes, it feels nothing. We told y'all the whole time. Y'all surprised? We not. Nobody's surprised here. And I... <laughs> I just died because, you know, like making, you know, winning a challenge is the most exciting thing. Making the top two is an incredibly exciting thing. But Emily, you know, like, you know, you're no stranger to the top two. Like, is this the reaction that you would have had, you know, with your clarinet? You guys, can you imagine one of us regular Lego master people, not a celebrity saying, we're not surprised. We told you we would get ridiculed on all of the sites <laughs> as the worst person, overly cocky, <laughs> arrogant. And he just goes in there and just mic drops it, doesn't even care that he's saying it. And it was hilarious. It was hilarious. And I wish that we could show more confidence. I feel like I tried often when I loved our builds. I was like, I freaking love it. We crushed it. We know that I had no problem saying when we did great. And it wasn't from an arrogant place. It was from that I was really proud of what we did. And yes. he was proud. So I loved it. I love the confidence. I'm all for it. I do too. I, I loved when you used to do that. I, I always would note it. You'd be like, it's beautiful. It's great. And and we love it. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I loved that uh, from your season. But, um, but, you know, Amy said, you know, you collected the most snowballs in our game, bringing you out on top, but you did it with style. Um, and, you know, so they, she really loved all the aesthetics of the build. And our other top two was Nini and Caleb. So we had, you know, Caleb. Now, to your point, Dave, we saw this with Mel. This is his opportunity. You know, Jamie <laughs> says you delivered a real plower house of a model. Um, it captured your personality so well with all those sparkles and that really confident character. Um, so, we, you know, it was great to see Nini have a, you know, a strong showing both in the performance, but also to hear see them here on the top at the top two. I was convinced that they were going to win. Oftentimes when, when I'm typing my notes, I highlight the team that I think is going to win because I'm ready to bold it in my notes. So I have Nene and Caleb highlighted, ready to bold them. Nope. Marshawn and Dave win this challenge. And listen, it's great to see another 10K go to a great, um, a great charity. But I felt like everything was, all the pins were set up. The dominoes were set up. We just had to knock it down and give Caleb the win. Dave, what's your thoughts here now with another Marshawn and Dave win? Well, yes, Michael, it would have been the best story to have Caleb win, but it just didn't happen. However. I think the real winners here are the challenge department for turning up the speed on those remote control cars because it really made a difference and it really made for a much more entertaining demolition snowplow derby. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I think these sort of like set pieces and getting to see the Lego interact in this way is, you know, something we definitely want to see at least once a season. Um, you know, it's one, it's one of those um, things that we just really love to see. Um, but you know, Emily, what was your takeaway here with a Marshawn and Dave win? I liked their car. I thought it was great. I I anticipated that it was going to win. I always think that I know what Lego Masters is going to do. I always think, oh, maybe this will be the first time they'll have two female builders in the finale. No, nah, they won't do that. <laughs> oh, maybe this will be a redemption for Caleb. No, nah, they're not going to do that. 
So I, I never try to predict anymore because I don't know anymore. Yeah. I mean, like objectively, I do think that the beast, you know, their build was probably the stronger concept, you know, having that build as a character, a lot, it was just very cohesive. Whereas like, I'm not sure that it was as clear in Nini and Caleb's build of like what their car was meant to be and represent and all that sort of stuff. So I'm not surprised. And Dave, you know, this is no, uh, this is no, nothing to say about your skills, but I just feel like um, Dave from season three, I should say um, about his skills. Dave, you're amazing too. You know, you won a Derby challenge, but, uh, but I, I think it's one of those things where my heart wanted Caleb to win, even though I, I very much so understand the Marshall uh, Marshawn and uh, and Dave win. But yeah, congrats to them as we move into the finale. Will always says it that way. The finale. Never the finale, uh, you know, as as I would probably say it, but the finale. And, you know, um, Will says, for three straight challenges, you've delivered like, like St. Nick on the 24th, but there's still one challenge. Dare I say it's the biggest one of all, because this time the contestants will win $10,000 for their charity and will take home the biggest holiday trophy in the world. This last challenge is so huge, it's so massive, it's so incredible, that I can't even tell you what it is. At least I can't do it alone. And we see a choir come down the stairs, and I almost couldn't tell, but it looked like there was like a hidden door off to the right uh, of that balcony area that we've never seen before that this choir enters from, which was very entertaining. Um, and we see them come down uh, and they're singing, you know, Will says it's a Lego Masters holiday musical. And he goes on to explain the challenge. Holiday music brings back special memories. Certain songs listed emotions, elicit emotions that are hard to put into words and even harder to put into bricks, which is what you're going to have to do. That's right. Each team will build a majestic work of art based on a classic holiday carol. Then we'll place your build on a turntable for a 360 view of your creation. So this was, um, you know, definitely a unique challenge that we haven't seen before. I think oftentimes the finale finale builds of these regular seasons are thought to be 360 builds, but this is the first time it's been formally placed onto a 360 turntable to encourage that 360 viewing. So Emily, you know, as as you're as you're thinking about this challenge. You know, how would you be approaching this? Because not only do you have to translate a song into brick, which I'm not sure we've seen any team ever even think to try, let alone build with a 360 turntable in mind. How would you be approaching this challenge? Well, I mean, in our season, we did have to translate a sound into brick. And then we well, also had to we had to do our Cirque du Soleil, which was also spinning, but it was four different scenes. So this would have been one that I would have felt a little more comfortable with because I had had to take a sound, aka maybe a song, and transform it into something a little more. Um, I would have loved this one. I love to sing. I'm terrible, but I love to do it. So this one <laughs> would have been fun for me. I think I would have liked this a lot. Yes. Well, there was four songs. Up on the housetop, I saw three ships, Jingle Bells, and of course, the 12 Days of Christmas. So, you know, they had to run and grab things, which we know doesn't always end well on seasons of Lego Masters when people are running and grabbing things. But Dave, I'm curious to get your thoughts. You know, with these four builds, how would you be thinking about which songs you would want or which songs you'd want to stay away from? Um, so I would Fair. try to find the one that had the best icons in them and uh, leave it at that. <laughs> yes, I think you want, to your point, like something that's more fun to build that has like a strong set of icons that makes it easier to pull those themes out. 
Um, but yeah, and we definitely saw the teams approach this in a lot of different ways. So let's jump into that. So, you know, the first one that we'll talk about is um, with Robin Crystal's build up on the housetop. Um, you know, they uh, they they were like just loving this idea. They immediately go into the builds. They're doing this neighborhood scene. There's lots of detail. But Jamie comes in to caution them that we don't want to lose focus on the story, which is about the rooftop and the chimney and Santa Claus. And even like going so far to say as like the larger elements, like the, the snowmen builds they had may be detracting from the smaller Santa. And he, you know, encourages them to have that good editing eye. And, you know, Crystal, she's starting to realize this is a pattern of hers. And um, but thankfully, Rob was there to hone in on what needs to get built. And at the very end, <laughs> I love this quote. Rob goes, you're not adding more to this, are you? <laughs> and she's like, well, uh, and then he's like, you got to keep it clean. Um, but Dave, like, do you feel like it? That it, you know, especially you know, with five million bricks, is it, do you think it's is it too tempting? You know, they have they have so many things to work you know with, they, especially for these holiday or theme challenges. Oftentimes, they pull out you know the special holiday bricks to give them even more of those things, like the reindeer and the snowmen and the, all that sort of stuff. It, it's probably pretty tempting to fill out your scene the way that you might at a convention build. I mean, earlier Crystal says you know, she loves chaos. She loves chaos. She loves builds that have lots of stuff going on. And one of the biggest things that everyone needs to think about on Lego Masters is you're building for TV. You're building for that iconic image of what somebody's going to see. You you need that. We've always talked about this on the show is you need the across the room view. You need the six feet view. You need the six inches view. And it's really important to understand how that works. So when Crystal's thinking about this and when um, Rob's thinking about this, it's really important to consider that. And I was really surprised with the direction that they took, because if I was going to be taking on this challenge, I would be making much bigger characters. Um, so it was a surprising direction for me, but that's her comfort zone. And if that's her expertise, then she should lean into that. Yeah, I mean, brick built characters, I think, you know, can really set your build apart. I, I felt like we really saw the, like the emergence of that strategy in season three, where all the teams were bringing brick built characters to most of the challenges. And, you know, I, and I do wonder if that would have been a really helpful, you know, thing to do in this one, especially is to not rely on the Santa minifigure, if possible. Um, but, you know, that's a tough thing to do, especially when you have to do power functions. There's so many other elements that are part of this challenge. So it makes it very challenging to maybe get out of that comfort zone. But, you know, one other, you know, team that we saw tr have to translate their song was Nini and Caleb. They had the I Saw Three Ships song and they were doing this mechanism with the ships. And they literally said, I saw three ships. Well, I'm going to build three ships. You know, it was very literal. And we see, you know, Amy come over and say, how are you going to make it more holiday focused? Um, you know, she even encourages Nini like, you know, this takes place on Christmas Day. How do you decorate, you know, for Christmas and the holidays? You know, how do we challenge that in or uh, channel that into your build? So, Emily, like, I'm curious, like, how, you know, this is the holiday bricktacular. You know, do you think you have to sort of have those Christmassy details just infused into everything? Yeah, unfortunately, I do think you have to have Christmassy fill, but I love this build. I cannot believe these ships that Caleb created. They are absolutely gorgeous. The palm trees are gorgeous. You do have like the more palm tree. And then at the bottom, you have more like the evergreen tree, right? Like it's clean, it's polished. It, it is three ships. 
come sailing in. I I don't see how they could have done any better with the song that they were given. They have a lighthouse in the background. To me, this is a masterpiece in Lego building. <laughs> honestly, I I, really, yeah, I love it. I hear you. Yeah, it's 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 tough. Like to your point, like when the when the song isn't giving you much, and especially not v- very Christmassy things. You know, there's no. Um, you know, there's nothing about candy canes, nothing about Frosty the Snowman. There's no reindeer. There's no any of that. You sort of have to like work with what you're given. Um, and I did love, though, sort of the friendship that was formed. Uh, Nini says, Caleb is my new nerd friend. I learned so much from being here. I'm a true fan. I'm so grateful for being here. So you know, I, I think this really did feel like a nice culmination for the two of them, which we love to see. Um, and, you know, we then move on to Kelly and Randall. Um, their build was, you know, jingle bells, and it's all about this one horse open sleigh and getting that motion to work. And so we see that he creates this unique mechanism where the where the sleigh sort of goes back and forth, back and forth, and really like they didn't account for how much weight was going to be in the in the sleigh. We hear him say, "We need to introduce more torque to get things to move smoothly." And even five minutes left, we hear a quote that he's not sure it's going to move like they want it to. Dave, like you know. There was plenty of challenges in your season where power functions was an element. Like how, I guess, like, how do you account for these things? You know, is a lot of people are learning mechanisms, but they're not necessarily like pushing their mechanisms to the nth degree in their practice sessions. Is there something that people should be keeping in mind to not run into these sort of challenges? So, I mean, you saw weight was the issue. So get your mechanism working and then throw a whole bunch of stuff on it. Throw some battery boxes on it. Just make sure that it doesn't just work when it's in the initial stages. But like just if you're going to go on the show when you're making a mechanism, you know, you always like build something and then you're like, I'm going to put the character on top of this later. I'm going to put the thing on this later. Put the thing on it right away and make sure it's working under non-optimal conditions because you just don't have time to tinker. Yeah. And to your point, like if it's a battery box or maybe like you just grab a bunch of like the two by four bricks from those islands in the brick pit and you just stack 30 of them on top of it, you know, like, or make a big brick, like a big block uh, of those pieces and just stick it on the mechanism and see if it works. But yeah, it's it's tough and it's no fun when like there's so little time and you don't have time to troubleshoot and you're concerned. Am I going to be able to deliver because your idea feels very solid? So it's it's also probably one of those like panic modes. And I feel like I would be in panic mode if I had Marshawn and Dave's song with the 12 days of Christmas. You know, Dave sort of scopes it out. He says, there's 13 builds that are going to have to get put together here. Um, And, you know, that's a lot to come up with. But I think the other unique piece was Jamie said, how are you going to make sure that people understand what they're looking at? And part of me felt like to sort of challenge this is to challenge the song itself. And I feel like that's not really fair. You know, like, I don't know what a calling bird is either, you know, but at the same time, I didn't write the song. I didn't make it a classic. I think these are just like truths in the world that we come to understand that, you know, this is what, you know, this song has French hens in it. Okay. That's a French hen. I, I couldn't tell you what it is, but it's in the song. So I don't know. I feel like the scrutiny felt a little unwarranted to me, but Emily, what was your thoughts? You know, it was Jamie off base here. So I agree a little bit, Michael, with that. But I also think because he said that they got so creative, like the turtle doves are hilarious. The French flag on the hens is hilarious. Chef's kiss on that. (laughs) Well, you know, we have to then get into the judging and get into these songs. Um, We had the the choir was, you know, did not go away. So they probably were there for quite a bit, I have to imagine. Um, And we heard them singing their songs as the teams talked about their build. So let's talk about them. First up, we had Robin Crystal's Up on the Housetop. 
And, um, you know, why don't we kick things off then with you, Emily? What did you think about Robin Crystal's final finale build? So, I mean, again, it's it's very Robin Crystal, right? Robin Crystal-esque. Um, how big are those snowmen? If you are comparing them to the size of a minifig, that's a six-foot snowman. Uh, uh, that snowman's 20 feet tall, which is fun. I mean, let's do it. I like the difference between the ground and the ice skating rink and the snow. I like that difference. My favorite part on this whole build is the chimney. It's iconically good. And I love how they use the hinge for the reindeer. This screams to me, Crystal and Rob. So I like what they did for themselves. I think it's great. Yes, yes. Well, we saw to your point, like the chimney is sort of like oversized. It uses those nice dark red uh, bricks to sort of like give it that Christmassy feel. And we see Santa's actually upside down and going in and out. It almost felt like, with the way that they had highlighted it with this like comic book zip zap pow um, extra highlighting that it almost felt like to me that maybe Santa was getting shot out of the chimney. But maybe that was just my interpretation. Dave, what was yours? You know, it has a really nice composition. It's like a, a triangle shape composition where you have a lot of detail going on at the bottom and lots of little stories, different kinds of texture juxtaposed, like the texture of the path against the smoothness of the ice. And then in the middle section, you've got the Santa sleigh and the reindeer is getting caught up around the building. So there's another story. And then at the top, you have the focal point. So it's really like giving you different things to look at. But there's places for like, they they really listened about having a cleaner focus and a good editing eye of like, there's things to focus on. It's great from across the room, but as you come in and you get closer, there's different things to see. It's a different kind of build than some of the other teams, but they leaned into their strength and they created the best build for their strength. Yeah, I mean, like everything's really nicely detailed. To your point, there's a lot of stories. You know, they, there's a coffee shop and um, I think there was a certain point in the build phase where Crystal says like, so here's the coffee shop and these people have coffee for the ice skating. And I was like, how many people are ice skating with hot coffee? Um, But uh, I really did like the build. Like, I feel like this is one of those ones that you would want in your winter village at home. You know, it has all those nice Christmassy details with the Christmas lights, um, all sorts of wreaths, the snowmen, the Christmas trees. You know, it really had a lot of that holiday fun. I think to your point, Dave, while there's a lot of places for your eye to land, you know, I'm I'm not sure it immediately tells the story. Uh, You know, I think... uh, Part of me couldn't decide if they had intended for the you know reindeer to sort of be falling off the front for the sleigh to be falling off the back until I heard them say it because part of me was like maybe they went too small on the roof but they'd already built the sleigh and it was huge so they just tried to make it work and maybe that is what happened but um but I think you know to your point Emily they had a lot of fun with this they packed in the, the details they wanted to pack in and it really did um just really fill out the scene in a fun way which I don't know that we that many of the other teams even tried to do so it was great to see that from Rob and Crystal. Number two, though, we've got that 12 days of Christmas. The uh, With Marshawn at the top, he's the true love that's giving all the gifts. Um, we'll start with you on this one, Dave. What did you think about how this one turned out? It was very busy. <laughs> um, so the icons look fantastic. The idea is fantastic to have the platforms at different heights. Um, this is one where... And like the non-literal approach, this is one where they leaned into like Christmas, this is Christmas, shouting Christmas, like everything about this is Christmas. But maybe the icons needed to tell the story and the bases needed, like Amy said, they needed to be uniform. Like maybe if it was white and gold, 
if all of them were detailed ornately with different styles of white and gold on them. And like the one by cylinders that are on in the sandwich in between the platform, if those were all simpler, it would draw your eye more to the top than to the what's creating the spinning motion at the bottom. Um, I see what they're doing. They're just like basically saying everything here is Christmas, but maybe this is just a case where it needed to be more muted at the bottom to bring the focus to the top. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point. Like, I wonder even if, you know, they've done the same technique, but one panel has green cylinders all around it. One has red all around it. One has white all around it. And it's kind of a little bit more color blocked. But to your point, those support pillars, you know, they have all these unique patterns, green checkered, red checkered, you know, green striped, you know, red striped, all these sort of things that would look good on their own. But when they're all put together, it's sort of like a like a funny clashing outfit. It's like a paisley shirt and houndstooth pants. I mean, it's just like a lot of pattern. And oftentimes you want a pattern shirt and simple pants or pattern pants and a simple shirt just to sort of let the pattern then get to do what it's meant to do. But it's one of those things that, um, you know, maybe when you're up close, you don't think about it. Like when you're hands on the build, you don't think about it. But the second you take a step back, like we got to with the camera angle on the TV show, it's like, I can't even find the 12 gifts because I'm, I, I just can't make it out. Cause it almost feels like one of those um, like those, uh, those images with all the dots where you have to stare at them long enough that the image starts to, starts to get you know in your vision oh it's a boat i had no idea uh but emily what about what was your thoughts what what did you think about it so like see how they they, underneath they use those white things it it's making it disappear that the platform is then starting on if it would have been more like that disappear or color blocking like we said i think this build really could have been a standout i think it was really fun this is the least like one I would have wanted to pick. I would have told Kelly to run as fast as she could to avoid this one. I would not have wanted this one. You are forced to do 12 builds no matter what you do on this one. So this would have been a hard pass for me. Yeah, I, I, I mean, and listen, they did an incredibly successful job at all the builds, both in the fun interpretations and the more common interpretations, Um, you know, and even they have all these gifts boxes. They have all, you know, like there's a big tree for the partridge and the pear tree. There's like, they really did an unbelievable job bringing this scene to life. And I wish we could really appreciate it more. You know, I think to your point, Emily, the the pieces that are holding up some of these pillars are white, those white rounded pieces at the very bottom, because the platform itself is white, they disappear. And so I do wonder if maybe all of the posts would have been white and then the platforms could have been red, green, or even like yellow and blue. Like, I mean, that, that that's holiday enough for me. And I think that that would have just really helped these things sing in the way that they were supposed to. But it was great to see that while the whole turntable was spinning, some of these platforms were also spinning around. So like they really, I think, did what they set out to do. And I think that's part of this, too, is that, you know, you want to lean in on your celebrities creativity. And so like, you know, some of these things can be helpful. But I think, you know, they pulling back on other things would have just had more impact, like the going up in a spiral, creating more verticality. That's a great move on Lego Masters, I think. You don't want to build flat. You want to build up. And so like it had a lot of the things that makes a Lego Masters build great. But there was those those extra patterns and the busyness just takes you out of being able to even see the things that make this build as great as it is. Um, so ultimately, we love to see what they were able to put together, but hopefully a little cleaner next time would have helped with them. But our third build here is the three ships, three for three. Um, so we've got I saw three ships from Nini and Caleb. 
And uh, we and like we talked about, it's, this is three ships, but they decided to surprise us with a different take on it. They're pirate ships. Um, so, Dave, why don't we kick off with you? What did you think about I Saw Three Ships? Again, it feels like Caleb has something to prove uh, because this is an incredibly clean build. It's so well composed. Again, it's got that like levels. It's almost it almost looks like a cake. Uh, it's so beautifully decorated um, and so well composed. One of the things that I really appreciated was I felt like it was a callback to the Chameleopster where he's using that flex tube to create the hull of the ship. Um, so I, I kind of felt that uh, reference. Um, the one, I, I love the idea of combining like the Christmas decorations and the pirates. And it really feels like you're, you're, you're making a song that doesn't seem like the most exciting song into something much <laughs> more exciting. The one question I had about it was the ice on the edge of the water and the sails being the same color. I was wondering if maybe the sails had more of a Christmassy feel or black like a pirate ship, if that would have made a little bit of a difference. Yeah, I mean, after seeing especially the pirate ship challenge in episode or in season three, you know, we've definitely seen a lot of different pirate ships on the show. And I think to your point, if they were if, if you know, the two little ships had green sails and the big ship had red sails, that would have had a, a, a large impact. But part of the issue might have been the piece availability. Uh, th that was something that I was actually shocked about was that they had those brown um, curve pieces for Caleb to make the ships at all. Um, and maybe they had enough curve pieces to make white sails, but not any curve pieces to make colored sails. And so maybe they just stuck to their guns there. But um but it's tough, you know, it's like, you, you, you know, you're already so far along when you're asked to pivot. Maybe it wasn't worth tearing it all apart either. Um, you know, who knows how late into the challenge that the Brickmasters got to Nini and Caleb. But ultimately, those ships are absolutely stunning. Would buy as a Lego set any day. Uh, Emily, what was your thoughts? Same. I would want this as a display. I love it. I think it's so well done. And Dave made a great point. I mean, I never thought of it. I think maybe if he would have had maybe a reef on the sails or, you know, something a little more than the white. I didn't even think about that, but maybe adding that red stripe or something just to give it, I think if it would have been the candy cane stripe, it would have been too busy. So for me, I like clean, really clean builds. So this one, clearly I'm a fan of Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Um, <laughs> and so like this, this is gorgeous. This is so gorgeous. I, I, I applaud it big time yeah i mean they like the restraint was really clear you know they made sure that everything was covered you know the base has lots of those little um you know evergreen saplings you know all around they had you know the um their big you know mechanism again is covered this time with dark blue bricks and the nice snow detail falling off the side um but it was just so clean so well composed i love the tower at the back um the like lighthouse with the wreath and it was just one of those builds where i could I could have this on display in my collection and feel proud to leave it up forever. I mean, it was really one of those great builds and they added enough Christmas flair to at least probably satisfy the challenge. They had Christmas lights at the very back. All the ships are pulling these like ice barges full of treasure and such that they're going to give away. And part of me wonders, like, were they mad that they didn't take it to like some crazy level? Like part of me was like, should they have done? I saw three spaceships. Like, would that have been you know, something that the judges would have just gotten such a kick out of um, versus the more literal interpretation of maybe the ships that were 
around when the song was written back in the day, if you will. Um, but who knows? Ultimately, I think this is one of the cleanest builds, maybe of Lego Masters, period. I mean, this is really an exceptional build from Nini and Caleb. And our final one here was Kelly and Randall. Theirs was Jingle Bells. And we watched them doing their story. And at a certain point, we see that the motion's working just fine until the heads of their characters <laughs> fall forward, fall off. It was, uh, you know, of course, that classic, you know, cut to commercial drama moment. Thankfully, they were able to fix it fairly quickly because um, it seemed to be mostly limited to the heads. Um, but Emily, why don't we start with you on this one? What did you think about their final build? I think it's really cute. The faces of them like screaming. I think the tree kind of looks like a cupcake stand to me, which who doesn't love cupcakes? Um, so I'm all for that. I love that the horse has the purple hair to match Kelly's hair and the bells on the back. I would say maybe if they would have put the sleigh on like a big bell or something to just be a little more jingle bells, um, maybe would have made it feel a little bit better to me. And I, one thing I will say, you got to have ears on your characters always, every single time. And the fact that they're missing ears just irks me, irks me. Sorry, Randall. I love you so much, but you got to have ears. <laughs> Yes, you got to have ears, um, you know, just uh, otherwise, because to your point, you don't want something that takes you out of the fun of the build. And those characters were so much fun with the big gaping mouths as they're singing along the way. Um, I mean, that was just so much fun. Um, and the um, to your point, like that purple hair on the horse, that was something I noticed right away. I will say, I'm not sure that looks like a horse enough to me. <laughs> it looks more kind of like a big big uh, chocolate lab or something like that, or, or like a, or like a black great Dane, you know, maybe something like that, or, um, you know, some sort of dog to me, but Dave, what it looks you like Dante. It looks like Dante from Coco, just in black, the dog from yes, Coco. Exactly. Exactly. Dave, what did you think? So if I was going to take on any song, this would be the one I would not want because I definitely would not want to build a horse. Uh, I, it's just a really difficult thing to build. But I will say that when we got back from filming our season of Lego Masters, Randall came over to my studio and he was building a sleigh and he needed some of my pieces. And so it's great to see that this is like in Randall's wheelhouse of building a sleigh. And it's a fantastic sleigh. And I think his characters are really, really, really great. I know they don't have ears and ears <laughs> are very important in characters, but the expressions on them are so great. And I love that Randall has his asymmetrical haircut and Kelly's hair is beautifully sculpted. And the way that those heads are askew really brings something to the scene. I love how he talked about how they were singing and laughing all the way. I really feel that in this build. Yeah. And I think to your point, like the scale of this build and because the characters are as large as they are, it reads, you know, and, and we're able to be brought into that story immediately because the impact is so strong. And so, yeah, that was the big standout to me were those characters. And, you know, the only thing else, the only thing that uh, I'll say as well as like a little nitpicky thing is that, you know, we see them on the hill, the snowy hill, but it feels a little sparse. You know, we see so much of the white of the hill that it does feel like it needed something. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to add too much. So like it, it's a little bit, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, from one angle, from like the main angle, we see the little Christmas tree and there is that bigger Christmas tree in the back. So maybe they had maybe one more tree, maybe two more trees. And I would have been like nailed it um, in terms of just the sparseness of the landscape. But I think this was just another one of those incredibly clean builds where the story was just so evident. And 
I really loved it. And though I did not love seeing the heads fall off, it doesn't take away from the unbelievable build that was uh, Randall and Kelly's build. But that takes us to the end of the finale of the Holiday Bractacular. And of course, we have to talk about there's no top two, bottom two. And Lego Masters, I feel like, loves to do this. You know, I, I think about this like, you know, who's going to the finals? You know, it's like, you know, you know, it's like uh, the the first team that's going to the finals, the second team that's going to like they, they like to not do uh, traditional things. But the way they list this was the first team that just missed the cut, a.k.a. fourth place. And that was Kelly and Randall. Um, you know, so even though we felt like they had such a strong build there, um, you know, unfortunately, we see them as the first team that just missed the cut. Um, Will did remark, though, that I feel like a lifelong friendship is being built here. And Kelly, like, you know, immediately is like, I do, too. I've really grown to love him during the competition. She said, I never thought I'd gain so much perspective from building Lego. What, you know, maybe a colorful brick to one is the beginning of a universe to another. And I feel like if we're bringing in these like celebrities into like our world, the Lego world, to see that they're leaving with this sort of sentiment, I think that's what in some ways we hope this holiday spectacular might do. But Dave, give us some final thoughts on this team as we sort of we sort of uh, bid adieu to them here in the finale. Well, Randall asked for a partner with creativity and boy, did he get it. Um, I think it was really nice to see Randall's technical ability and his familiarity with Lego be paired with a really creative person who brought their own ideas and really did the zig and zag uh, so that they were doing things that were unique and different, but also really helped celebrate holiday joy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we definitely saw like this team was just like, I don't know, like I think Kelly just got so into it. It was like hard not to like be really excited about them um, because I think like that's what we want. You know, like I said, if people are going to come into our world. We want them to be excited about it. And we definitely saw that from this team. And unfortunately, the second team that just missed the cut was Marshawn and Dave. You know, they'd won the previous two challenges. And now we're saying goodbye to them here in the third place spot. Will remarks, that, you know, Marshawn had the most confidence we've ever seen. I think that's probably true. Emily, what are your final thoughts as we, um, again, bid adieu to Marshawn and Dave here in the finale? I thought they did a great job. I thought Marshawn brought so much character to the show with Dave. I thought they were a really dynamic duo. And, you know, their final build was fun. If it had that slight polish, I think they could have taken this one. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, the Sasquatch and the Beast, that's how Marshawn referred to them, were a dynamic duo to be remembered. Um, and I, I really felt like the friendships were real pretty much from every team. And this one was, was no stranger to it. They felt like brothers by the end. Um, but of course, we've got our final two teams. We've got Rob and Crystal. We've got Nini and Caleb. And ultimately, our winners are Rob and Crystal. He wins $10,000 for Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City. And ultimately, you know, Rob says, and I'm excited to win the championship for Crystal. Um, all these teams, and we probably could have remarked about it in the build phase of this final challenge. All the teams were willing to give the trophy to the Lego person. They were like, I really want you to have the trophy. It was very sweet. So it's great to see that Rob is so excited for Crystal. And then, of course, then that means the the unannounced third team that just missed the cut, our second place winner, our, our second place finalists, I should say, were Nini and Caleb. Nini says, I've never used a Lego ever in my life. <laughs> and, uh, um, uh, but now look where she is. And, you know, Will says nobody should leave her empty handed. So she's also able to win $10,000 for her charity, Hope for the Future. So a very competitive finale here. And, you know, Dave, I'm curious to get your thoughts, you know, between Rob and Crystal and Nini and Caleb, 
Are you surprised by this outcome or do you think that the Brickmasters, you know, got it just right? I think we're all winners. I'm happy for Crystal. She is a wonderful person. I had dinner with her at Brickworld last year. She is very, very intelligent. She's very savvy. Um, and I am really proud that she got this chance to show again what she can do on Lego Masters. I think Caleb also really showed that he had two builds that I would rank in some of the highest builds I've seen, not just on the holiday special, but on Lego Masters in this competition, in this holiday spectacular. So I feel like his goal was to show like, yes, I may not have won season two, but I can really build at a really high level and I can, and Nini with him, it was an amazing partnership that they were able to show together. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, these are all like, these are all different carrots of diamond, different, you know, like they're they're all just different carrots of gold. Like these are really like gems of a team. Like I feel like I almost fell in love with this round of teams even more than I did last seasons of team season's teams, I should say. But Emily, what was your thoughts on our final two teams? I think they both came to do what they wanted to do. They both wanted to showcase what they like to build, how they like to build, and they brought it in their builds. Um, I think Crystal and Rob's build was very Crystal and Rob-esque. I think that Caleb and Nini's build was very Caleb and Nini-esque, and I think they are great. I'm obviously a, the biggest fan of Caleb that I didn't know I was until I watched the show. Um, I thought what he brought, I agree with Dave, those, some of the builds he created, I think are the best I've ever seen on all four seasons across the board of Lego Masters. I was highly impressed in those builds. Yes. And it, and to that point, like, you know, I was disappointed that Caleb didn't get it, but I probably also might've been disappointed that Crystal didn't get it. You know, so it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I think, um, I think probably what set Rob and Crystal above Nini and Caleb in this case was just the clarity of the holiday song in their build. You know, I think Caleb and Nini tried to sort of change it up with the pirates, but maybe that was a little too much of a of a zig, you know, when the judges wanted you to zag straight towards holiday uh, in this one. But who knows? You know, that's the fun of this, too. But I mean, huge congratulations. That's, you know, fifty thousand dollars going to great charities. And like a really amazing Bricktacular. You know, I think the one thing I will say is when you're watching it for the purposes of podcasting, and I want to thank Dave and Emily for going on that part of the journey with me. Four hours, two days in a row. Feels like a lot of Lego Masters, four challenges, a lot of note taking. Like, you know, it's definitely like an arduous thing. My only hope, honestly, is that they, in the future, they're able to air this over multiple weeks. Like I really think had, you know, season four, which I almost felt like I never wanted to end, could have ended a few weeks earlier and we could have had two, three, four weeks of Holiday Bricktacular. For me, I think it would have only made us have even more fun to like sit in this. But, you know, Emily, what are your final thoughts on this Holiday Bricktacular and what do you want to see in the third Holiday Bricktacular? I loved it. I thought the teams were really dynamic, which was a huge thing for me that the like the fact that the teams really felt like they were just two people coming together and it wasn't a celebrity and a builder. It just felt like people that genuinely liked each other and they seemed like they were all having a good time. Next next season on the holiday one, I'd love to see, you know, I'd love to see people just bring it again like this and have the teams be really dynamic and, you know, maybe bring back Poppy the Hip Hop Lemurcorn from the year before. Like, I love Boone, so, you know. <laughs> yes, well, that, that moment did go down in one of my top 10 of Lego Masters USA history. 
uh, Bobby the Hip Hop Lemurcorn. I loved that one. But Dave, you know, close us out, you know, on your thoughts here on our Bricktacular. What did you think about, you know, things now having watched all four challenges? And what are you looking forward to in a future Holiday Bricktacular? I think that one, it was really great to have celebrities who embraced their role and really made it fun and embraced the fun aspect of it. I loved getting some redemptive arcs for some of these builders. Uh, It's really nice to see. It's nice to revisit some old favorites. If anybody wants to invite anybody for like a a hat challenge or like a mashup animal challenge, there's just some people who need some redemptive arcs on those. (laughs) Um, But I think one of the things that's really important to me, Michael, um, is that I really would like to see the next Spectacular embrace other holidays. It seemed a very Christmassy thing. Um, and I know 85% of the U.S. celebrates Christmas, but there's people who celebrate other holidays or people who celebrate Christmas in different ways. So it would be really nice to think about holiday joy in other ways and what that can mean besides Christmas. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. You know, I think like the show does representation better than most reality shows do. And I think that we really want to see that reflective, you know, all the way through, you know, and that goes down to the challenges as well. And, and, you know, this could be a very secular, you know, uh, a themed show. And I think we want to make sure that we can bring everyone along with us. So I, I do hope that we continue to see more of that. And I'd be even interested to like, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe even taking the holiday spectacular out of the, Christmas holiday, where I get it that the network needs content, but you know, a Thanksgiving holiday spectacular might be fun. A Halloween holiday spectacular might be fun. You know, just you know, all sorts of holidays. Arbor Day, you know, Flag Day spectacular. You know, I, I I'm here to podcast all year round. But I think to your point, Dave, like I think the way that we can bring even more of the reality into reality TV is to just represent even more people. So I would love to see that too. But I think the hope, the thing I hope they don't lose is that this is meant to be like a respite. You know, like we we had the competitive version of Lego Masters. We want this to be fun. We want the celebrities to have fun. We want the, you know, the um the contestants, the former contestants to have fun. And I think that that's what this one did incredibly well. So I hope they don't change a thing about that um, and that we get more of that in the future. And there's more Lego Masters coming in the future, which is always a fun thing. So, you know, we've got season five to look forward to and hopefully many more beyond that. But I just want to say, of course, a quick thank you to this unbelievable panel. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Emily, for really making this holiday spectacular a one to remember for me. Like, I feel like, like I said, when you're when you're in those podcast trenches, you need some people you can count on. And I'm so glad that I could have had the both of you to count on for this. So just thank you truly. As a holiday gift, I give you my gratitude uh, from the bottom, bottom of my heart. Thank you, Michael, so much for having me. This was so fun. And happy holidays to you, too. Thank you so much, Michael, for having us on. Uh, it was great to be here with both of you. And I can't wait to hear the deep dive with Emily and Kelly. Yes. It, don't worry. It's coming. OK, Emily clearly has a lot to say that we that we didn't get to see on the show and we need to hear it. So we're going to do our deep dive. But while we're waiting for that deep dive, Emily, what have you been up to, you know, in the Lego world? Where can people follow all the fun stuff that you're doing? Because they're going to want to stay in touch after the podcast. I'm sure of it. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Emily. That's with two E's, E-M-I-L-E-E underscore builds underscore it. And I'm currently working on a build to take to conventions. I'm doing a super smash 
build from the video game. So Ooh. here's the hoping. And I'm trying to convince Dave to do uh, some work for me. And he was like, Emily, aren't you, weren't you on Lego Masters? Can't you do it yourself? <laughs> <laughs> that's the Lego Masters family I think everybody talks about, right? Uh, but no, <laughs> that sounds amazing. I'm a huge fan of the game, so I can't wait to see how that one turns out. Um, Dave, you know, everyone's going to want to stay in touch with you. Where can they stay in touch with you and keep up on all the fun stuff you're working on? So you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Dave Coletta, and a couple exciting things coming up. Um, Richard and I, our awesome black creativity project, if you're in the Chicago area, is going to be part of an exhibition at the DuPage Children's Museum. And uh, that'll be in 2024. And then also... The James and the Giant Peach build I did is going to be um, on display at the Harold Washington Library in downtown Chicago, if you want to check that out. That's amazing. Um, well, congrats on all that, Dave. Um, and that's so, uh, so just so exciting. But it was even more exciting having the two of you on. So just a huge thank you again. Um, you know, nothing says the holidays like talking about Lego for hours with friends. Um, but uh, thank you both so much. It really means the world. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Emily. Well, it was a holiday blast to break all this down with Dave and Emily. And I got to give us a lot of credit. We had a lot of ground to cover and we did it in a not terribly long time. And of course, we had a lot of holiday fun along the way. But even though we're now past the holiday bricktacular, the Lego Masters content is not stopping anytime soon. Like I mentioned at the top, coming up next in your podcast, feed will be my postseason deep dives with your favorite teams so we can break down all of the season four details that we didn't get to see on the show with the holiday scheduling might be a little bit wonky but i'm doing my best to keep bringing you content as soon as i can so stay tuned for all the fun we've got next and don't forget to leave this podcast a rating and review on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you're listening to the podcast now so if you want to follow along with the podcast be sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to it now if you want even more lego content be sure to check out my YouTube channel, Talk Bricks, where I cover the Lego news for the week every Saturday. And you can follow the channel on all social media platforms with the username at Talk Bricks. And if you want to follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook, it's Talk Bricks Masters. And on Twitter, it's TB Masters. Thanks again, and I'll see you guys next time.